no, no that's that's after the intro little okay um, <laughs> it was good <laughs> in 1978 george a romero's dawn of the dead was released in north america and europe part of the production budget came from dario argento's production company in rome italy Dario Argento was such a fan of Romero's Night of the Living Dead that he personally reached out to Romero to make a new zombie film for a new decade. To secure the financing from Italy, Romero and Argento agreed that Argento could re-edit the film for non-English-speaking nations. Sorry, that should be countries. Argento cut down the film considerably, he took out a lot of the humor and satire, and made the film heavy on action and terror. He also retitled the film Zombie with an I, no E at the end. In Europe, as in North America, Dawn of the Dead, also known as Zombie, was a huge hit. Italian producer Fabrizio De Angelis took advantage of Italian copyright law and quickly put a non-connected sequel into production. This film was called Zombie 2. Originally, De Angelis reached out to director Enzo G. Castellari, who had been directing hit Italian action and crime films for over a decade. And coming off the hit Street Law, Kaoma, The Original Inglorious Bastards, and Shark Hunter, Castellari turned down D'Angelis uh, in order to direct the 1980 film The Last Shark. D'Angelis turned to a f- fourth-string director who had been trolling away since the 1950s in spaghetti westerns, cheap sword and sandal knockoffs, sexploitation, and recently, giallo thrillers. Despite directing for two decades, this director was largely ignored until finally scoring a minor hit with the film Sette Note in Nero, a.k.a. The Psychic. DeAngelis knew that this director could churn out a film quickly and cheaply. He offered this director a small paycheck, but the chance to direct a sequel to one of the highest grossing films in Italy of 1978. He accepted, and Zombie 2, aka Zombie Flesh Eaters in England, aka Zombie in North America, went on to become a massive hit and launched the European zombie movie craze of the 1980s. It also introduced a level of on-screen violence that skyrocketed, skyrocketed gore effects in Italy. This director became known as the International Godfather of Gore. This director, direct, directo. <laughs> this director is Lucio Fulci. Directo, I like it. It's an Italian for director. Hey, this, it's to me. This director directo. is Lucio Fulci, and tonight we will watch his film that we will just call Zombie. Zombie. Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears You won't watch a movie for about 8 billion years It's time for death by video Time for death by video And now the show will begin It's Death by Video! Death by Video! Hey, I'm Phil. I'm Kit. I'm Lil. And I'm Graham. Welcoming you back to another fun-filled episode of Nonsense, but I'm very excited about the film we're watching tonight. It's a, been a favorite of mine for over 20 years. I think I originally saw it in 1998 on VHS in Sydney, Nova Scotia. It is Lucio Fulci's Zombie. I am super stoked. Guys, have we seen anything good since we last recorded? Yes. Uh, only one movie, though. Uh, and that is? Uh, High Life. Oh, the Claire Denis, yes. Robert Pattinson. Her first entirely sci-fi. English language oh, yeah. movie, too. Um, which also my friend described as 2001 for pessimists, which is, I guess, like a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah. I the, When that film played at TIFF, everybody 
that I know that went to see it walked out of it? Or there were, were there any walkouts at your screening? No, uh, this is a second run. I saw this at the review. as a Tuesday night screening. It was uh, six. It's only in second run? Yeah. That was literally first run like two weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. That fast. Yeah. So was it like three people in the audience? No, uh, I'd say probably like 15. It was like a pretty modest okay. second run mm-hmm. turnout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neon Dreams programmer Brendan Ross was there as well. Yeah. yeah. Getting his mind blown. Probably. Cool. Neon Dreams. Yes, our spirit animals in cinema form. Yeah, like it's definitely, uh, there's definitely seems to be like quite a disparity between uh, critical reception and audience reception in the movie. Yeah. And Would you say there's a gulf? There, there's quite a gulf, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's justifiable, like with a lot of clarity. What, did, movies, you, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? I liked it a lot. Oh, cool. Good for you. Yeah. Good stuff. It's always good to, like, I mean, you know, we joke around here about movies that are good and bad, but, you know, if we can enjoy a film, I always think it's great. All of her movies are, I like all of her movies. Her worst movie is very good, Mm -hmm. which gives you a good example of the quality of her work. What would you consider her worst film? Probably Let the Sunshine In. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her previous one, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But I still really liked it. Where does Trouble Every Day sit for you? I that's probably like middle to top range for me. I was gonna say it's around mid. That's good. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Any other thoughts on it? Uh not really. Um No. Okay. Cool. No. Well, maybe think of something later, but yeah. All right. Kid, what have you seen? Have you seen anything interesting since we last recorded? Uh, I have, but do you guys have any uh, hot takes on uh, the news that Robert Pattinson is being heavily considered as the new Batman? I thought he, he as was a signed, the Batman. Signed the Steel. Batman, yes. Not just any Batman. I hate that. The Batman. He was <laughs> never was the, called uh, the Batman. Well, wasn't that the, the Frank Vincent? Not Frank Vincent. That's <laughs> legendary character actor Frank Vincent. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, who am I thinking of? Sin City guy. Uh, Frank Miller. Frank Miller. No, he never... Well, he referred... He jokingly had Batman refer to himself as, I'm the goddamn Batman. Or was it the Alan Moore run where he was the Batman? I don't think Alan Moore ever wrote Batman. I think he did. He wrote uh, The Killing Joke. Right, The Killing Joke. I don't know. I just think it's pretentious to call something The Batman. Because it's not like it's the Superman. <laughs> it just seems to be the Hollywood trope. Okay. Yeah. How many times can we recycle this title? Well, why don't we just put the, like, yeah. the Predator... <laughs> or the Fast and Furious. Yeah, and then the Fast became... and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, yeah. <laughs> whatever is going on there. My my favorite though was with Wolverine because their first movie Wolverine, second movie the Wolverine. Well, the first movie was Wolverine X-Men Origins, Origins Wolverine. I know. Colin, no one no one called Colin. it that. <laughs> but Colin uh, was in that movie. I love no, Colin. No. <laughs> Colin Colin's great. Colin Hanks. Um, but uh, as far as Robert Pattinson carrying the gravitas of the character, it doesn't matter. Ben, ben Affleck has already done it. <laughs> Val Kilmer's done it. There's no gravitas left. I, I'm okay with Robert Pattinson. He's a, I really <laughs> liked him in The Lost City of Zed. Still haven't seen that. He was great in Good Time. Yeah. yeah people have their minds blown when I tell them, like, oh, like, uh, Robert Pattinson's really good. Rod, Robert Pattinson's a good actor. The Twilight guy? Twilight guy. Or like, yeah, which is, I guess, why people are freaking out over Batman. But even people don't even realize that Kristen Stewart's a great actress. Oh, yeah. She's dynamite. Uh, yeah, Kristen Stewart. Uh, but I think more... Uh, yeah. Robert Pattinson, more so than Christian Stewart, seems to be uh, a guy who does big budget stuff that's really fluffy and terrible mm-hmm. in order to, to finance small, the stuff things, that yeah. he likes to do. Like Lost City of Zed or Good yeah, Time yeah. or uh, what was that Australian film he did, The Rover with Guy Pierce? Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. Really, that was really the first movie where I'm like, holy crap, he actually is not bad. Or the, uh, yeah, the, the 
David Cronenberg films he's been in. Cosmopolis and uh, Maps to the Stars. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, intriguing. Thumbs up for me. It's an interesting yeah, choice. He's, he's good. And Kristen, too. Right, is, is that going to take space with the Joaquin Phoenix Joker? Is that a one-off? Who knows? Who knows these things? It, it might be set in a different decade. Yeah, well, the the Joaquin Phoenix Joker does seem to be set in, in the uh, 70s. In the 70s, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. That's a good artistic choice, I guess. Yeah. yeah I I'm really skeptical want to because of Todd Phillips. I know, you always say that. I'm interested yeah, but, because uh, what if we get a 70s version of Batman? Hmm. That would be the cool thing, like an actual guy in like you know like, uh, knitted... like an Adam West suit. No, but like I was gonna say, like like a knitted to like suit or something. Like wasn't there a time when Batman's all like uh, SOL and in a wheelchair and stuff? Isn't yeah, that that's the um, what's it called? Bane, Nightfall. But he he teaches a younger uh, Batman. What Azrael. is that called? That's, yeah, that's called Nightfall. Okay. And then there was Night's End, and which was when Batman came back to take over from Azrael because Azrael got too violent. and He realized. Let's just kill criminals. Why do I want to, like, rehabilitate them? I heard somebody saying that they should mm-hmm. uh, get Michael Keaton back and do that storyline. That would be kind of awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, so... I, also, I always love how Michael Keaton... So, sorry, back on the Batman no, no thing. Worries. Christian Bale was being interviewed about, like, so how do you feel about Ben Affleck taking over? He's like, you know what? Honestly, I didn't think it was going to bother me, but yeah, it kind of bugs me. And then they asked Michael Keaton about it, and Michael Keaton's like, it doesn't bother me. Because I'm Batman. <laughs> I am and Batman. you're like, yeah! <laughs> nice. That's when nice. he was doing promo work for Birdman, oddly enough, yeah. I think. I think it was the founder. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it was oh, the, wow, the yeah. founder. I forgot about that. He was good. That, that movie wasn't so good, but he was great in it. Um, so the movie that I saw, I only got to see... Well, I, nope, that's not true. I saw two movies. What'd you see? What'd you see? The two movies. Uh, the one movie I saw was... Um, we talked about it a little the other night. was uh, John Wick Chapter 2. Finally got around yep. to that. I uh, quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the the gun battles are getting a bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was clever and fun, but also too ridiculous when it's um it's like common, and then uh, John Wick down below, and they're like in a crowded mall, and they're like secretly like shooting <laughs> each other, <laughs> yeah, like, sh- <laughs> <laughs> like whipping out the gun and like. Yeah. Pew, pew, and then putting it away. Yeah, just like, I don't know. It's Whoa, like, what happened? This seems very dangerous it's for everybody in the shopping Mr. mall. It, it's vaguely like Mr. Bean <laughs> having a gunfight. Like, pew, pew. Oh, no, 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 no. Have um, you seen John McTeer? The is just that good. No, no. Yeah. Not yet. Well, they can't hit anybody. Isn't bystanders? Well, the John Wick is. The, yeah, they're, uh, I guess the idea is that they're so clinical and so precise Keanu? that it's never a risk, but oh, it seems like a risk. Was, for sure. Funny. So Lillian saw Keanu, which was uh, Jordan Peele and Michael Keegan's take on uh, on it's John Wick. Ke- 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 Keegan Michael Key yeah. and Jordan Peele. <laughs> I always get it screwed up. <laughs> Michael Keegan, sure. Michael Keegan. I don't know who that is, Peele. but yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Like Lillian brought up Keanu, so like I didn't realize it until recently because someone said Jordan Peele even did a riff on it, and then I clicked on the link and it was like the trailer to Keanu. I'm like. It's the same movie. It's a guy loses his kitten and then he goes ape shoot to like get it back. Is that what it is? Snakes and shoots yeah, yeah. and ladders? Yeah. <laughs> now I kind of want to see Keanu, but with laughs. I it's assume. funny. Yeah, it's very funny. Keanu like the voice of the kitten or something like in that? A, in a dream sequence when, uh, I th- what is it? I think uh, Keegan Michael Key takes crystal meth and okay. he, he like, yeah, uh, Keanu voices the, ki- the kitten. I got to be honest with you. I don't know why Keanu didn't take off as a, uh, as a name. Uh, maybe it will now, now that Probably he's, he's kind of like yeah. entrenched in his icon phase. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. spoiler, alert, I'll be talking about John Wick three. Okay, but yeah. don't. No, I'm not gonna ruin anything. I want to see it this yeah. month, even. Yeah, it's good. Yes. So don't. Mm-hmm. You can only spoil so many things in one week, Graham. There's three. 
Yeah, you damn spoiler. It came out this week. Yeah, it's yeah. a well. It had to if you, the way that uh, chapter mm. two ends. It's and like, chapter four is coming out. There's more story, chapter obviously. Four. Shit, I have to catch up and watch two. Two is two is all right. Three is the best. Two is fun. Two is a lot of fun. Yeah. Three's just coming out now. It's just it's, seems it's very out. dangerous you for the uh, bystanders. I'll go see it again. <laughs> so, Lillian, what have you seen since we last recorded? Anything or nothing? I know one thing you've seen. What? Oh, Mandy. <laughs> oh, that's uh, you missed the double right. overtime yeah, game the yeah. other night. Watched Mandy, and uh, that was really good. I enjoyed that. That night, everybody was at the else was at the Strokes concert. Oh yeah, I didn't even know the Strokes were still together. That was a weird thing. Yeah. But you enjoyed Mandy. Yes, I did. You unleashed your inner cage. Yeah, it was great to cage it up. <laughs> we just like everyone's had the same honey joke when he like uh, picked up the crossbow he's about to become uncaged but um, I think you've seen it several times right already um, yeah it was it was really good really good I don't I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now on my like on my thoughts on it but did, did you like the uh, the weird like uh, goth metal guar type characters? That, yeah, you know, yeah. That was creepy, right? Yeah. Everybody was really, really great. The really bad guy was uh, really awesome from Law and yeah. Order. Linus Roach. Wow. Uh, hey, I'm gonna be honest. That uh, that song he plays mm-hmm. uh, for Mandy, it's Bop. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. And Mandy herself, wow. Oh yeah, she was great. Great use of uh, Starless by King Crimson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, the whole soundtrack by uh, Johan Johan Johansson. Johansson. Perfect. Yeah. I always feel that Johan Johansson was the third host of Body Break. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It just feels like it. R.I.P. Johan Johansson. What have you seen, Graham? Uh, what have I been seeing? Uh, let me check. What have I been seeing? Um, I know. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm getting distracted. I'm getting texts on my phone, which I shouldn't be getting. Um, I saw. I'm just, what are, I've seen a bunch, but let me see. What do I want to talk about? Uh, John Wick three. I'll talk, a, li- I'll talk a little bit about John Wick three. So John Wick three uh, is my favorite of the series so far. They kind of got rid of, even though there's moments of still a bit. My biggest issue with a lot of action films now is I call it the Call of Duty ification of action now, where like everybody gets a gun and they all shoot it, and most of the action scenes now are just people shooting guns at each other. There's no real choreography or anything, whereas John Wick 3, I think, worked to move away from that. Like, it opens up with a book fight, like a fight between, a, like, John Wick has a book and the guy has a knife, and that's how they fight. That's uh, Boban Marjanovic, the yeah. um, seven foot four, uh, 76er center. Mm-hmm. It also features um, the actor who played Mad Dog from the Raid films, which whose name I can't recall right now, but it was good to see him getting it. And Tiger Chen also had uh, a fight scene in it. And uh, the main, I don't want to say the main antagonist, because bureaucracy is actually the main antagonist in John Wick 3. Spoiler alert. Well, that makes sense, given Mm -hmm. how uh, Chapter 2 ended. Um, But in John Wick Chapter 3, like the main physical antagonist is Mark Dacascos, who who was in the Double Dragon movie from like 1992 with Scott Wolf. I barely remember existing. Yeah, it's very, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, they actually made that. It was, he was also in, uh, he started in The Crow, the series that was on TV for a couple seasons in the mid-90s, where he played uh, Brandon Lee's character, but uh, Vaguely remember as, that more as, well. as a superhero than a avenging spirit. I don't remember it being that good, huh? It wasn't. No. Was I, think, that, I think a Carnaline Crush were on an episode. Or yeah, something. it was shot in like Toronto or Vancouver or something. Carnaline Crush, oh my yeah. gosh. It was, it was a Canadian co-production with France, yeah. like the Highlander TV series. But then 
Um, there were a few crow movies, wasn't there? They yeah, they they made like a sequel four. and a third one, I think. Uh, they made uh, the first one was the crow, then the crow, city of angels, then the crow, wicked prayer, and then there was another one that I there can't was remember. Edward Furlong one. Yeah, and then there was oh, God. One, yeah, that was wait, wasn't Edward Furlong in the original crow? No, no, no. Oh. Um, yeah, Edward Furlong was I think in wicked prayer, and then there was another one starring uh, Kristen, uh, not Kristen Stewart, uh, Kristen from Spider Man movies, the Dunst. 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 There you go. Kristen Dunst. I don't remember her in any of the Crow movies. It never went theatrical. I remember okay. like hearing about it for years. And then Did she it... dye her hair black? No, she was blonde. She was not the Crow. Iggy Pop okay. had a bit part in the second one. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That was a... that movie is weird too because it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic Crow movie. Yeah, that was one that got uh, cut up by uh, Bob Weinstein. Yeah, <laughs> old Bobby Scissorhands. Yeah. Um, so another film I want to talk about that I saw was. Um, I'll talk about the film I saw yesterday. It's a film called Mouthpiece. It's from the director. Let me look it up because I can't recall her name off the top of my head. Okay. Um, it's Patricia Rosema. She directed the film. Uh, it's called Mouthpiece, and it's a Canadian film shot in Toronto, set in Toronto. looks really, really good. And it basically tells the story of this woman who... Um, it's based on a play, and in it, the like in the film, the one person is played by two actors on screen at the same time who plays different sides of her personality. So one is a bit stronger than the other. And at first it takes you a little while to get into it because you're like, why are these people moving in unison? And then you realize, oh, like one is like not necessarily the stronger side or the softer side, but they both have different sides of each other working through it. And it stars um, Maeve Beatty. That's her mom though. That's not who I wanted to do. Uh, Where's the main cast? Top notch, top notch production we got going tonight. Please try the veal. Oh, <laughs> no, don't forget to. So it was, it was, it was written by Amy uh, Nostbacken and also stars her and as in one of the roles and Nora Sedeva as as they both play the character of Cassandra. Nora Sedeva, what else was she in? She's been in a bunch of stuff. She was in, actually no, she's only been in three things. So I am wrong. Okay. So what else have I seen? It was a really good film. It's opening June 7th in Canada. I highly recommend everyone see it. It is a really, 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 really yeah, good Grammy film. Yeah, told me a bit about it, uh, and that sounds really good. I, I, uh, right. Where can we check it out? It'll be opening up at the Tiff Bell Lightbox in about two weeks in Toronto. I don't know where it'll be elsewhere. It'll probably be available for rent on iTunes. It might wind up on Canadian Netflix. It'll probably be on the movie network at a certain point, but it was a really great independent film. Probably be on like Canopy or Canopy for sure. For yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the third film I want to talk about. Um, let's see, what else do I want to talk about? The Netflix Ted Bundy movie. Yeah, Extremely, it. yeah, incredibly loud and incredibly close or something. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you're yeah. dropping saffron forest. <laughs> yeah. Extremely loud and incredibly, incredibly vile. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach Efron was great in it. Amina talked about it about already. Like we have different things. I didn't like it so much. Lillian liked it. Um, for me, it didn't work for for a bunch of different reasons. I thought Zach Efron was great though. Um, but yeah, he's shown some range. Eh? Yeah. Kid? Oh yeah. The, the girl was really great too. Um, oh yeah. Do you know? Do you know her name? Well, the character she played was Elizabeth Kaufner, and she was great. She, I uh, know, uh, I haven't. Lily had Collins a is yet. her name. Lily Collins. Oh, Phil Collins' daughter. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, that's fact. Yeah, she's been in other 
other stuff, which I can't recall right now, but she's, she's I'm sure been, she takes after her top, mother. She's top notch. She's, she's got books out and stuff, too, or something. Oh, yeah? I think so. I think you're confusing her with Marie Kondo. I am not. <laughs> I am kidding. I am kidding. No, she was also in... Uh, let's see here. Oh, she's in the movie Tolkien that just came out. Oh. Um, she's in the TV version of Les Miserables. Um, the TV version? Yeah, which came out last year, apparently. Oh, they did a live TV version? Yep, she was also in Okja, the uh, oh, film for Netflix that was directed by... Bong Joon-ho. Joon Joon-ho Bong, or did Bong Joon-ho. Did Tilda Swinton in it as yep. well? Yeah, yeah. Something about... I heard it was good, yeah. like a really large pig or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tilda Swinton seems to be one of his regulars now, because after Snowpiercer and then Okja... Of course, Bong Joon-ho did uh, The Host and Mother and Memories of Murder. We should state that it's not the, the Darren Aronofsky mother that you're talking about. Yes, yeah. Mother uh, with a capital M, no exclamation mm-hmm. point. Yeah, I love Memories of a Murder. I thought that film was really, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. If you like Zodiac, you must watch mm-hmm. Memories of Murder. It's quite good. I did like Zodiac. Yeah, no, it's like crucial police yeah. procedure. Very good. I'm digging it. I'm digging it already. All right, guys, so that's everything we've seen. We'll be back after we watch the movie with... Uh, I'll give some information on the background of the film, and we'll dive into the actual plot points of Lucio Fulci's Zombie. dun Yeah! Ahoy there! This is the Harbor Patrol. Anyone on board? Yes, she looks abandoned. <laughs> Just what we'd like to know. One more step and I'm gonna blast you. Now freeze where you are! Yes, it's my father's boat. And uh, how long since you last spoke to him? Well, we have to go to Matul. We're trying to locate Anne's father. She hasn't heard from him for some time. That's not a cool place to hit. Natives claim it's cursed. They report it like the plague. I'm going to tell everyone that you're the one who's crazy. A demented, cruel, evil son. What exactly did my father die of, Dr. Minor? And the boat's crew, what happened to them? What is about the dead coming back to life again and having to be killed a second time? Voodoo's just superstitious horseshoe. Now, whatever it is, it makes the dead stand up and walk. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, yeah. And we're back. That was Zombie, a.k.a. Zombie 2, a.k.a. Zombie Flesh Eaters. Hell yeah, it was. All right. So... Uh, I'm going to run through my, my background on the film before we get into it. Yeah, I'd like to know some uh, some details, some behind-the-scenes stuff. Okay, Graham. so we have... i got a lot to go through. Okay, so the film was written by um, Dardano Skahechity. I don't know how to pronounce that Italian name. Schenectady. Schenectady. Who also worked with Fulci on Sette Note in Nero, a.k.a. Seven Notes in Black, a.k.a. The Psychic, just before Zombie. And he went on to write the scripts for the Fulci films City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, The House by the Cemetery, The New York Ripper, Manhattan Baby, 
and Warriors of the Year 2072. What's what's the one I got you for your birthday? I can't even remember. That was City of the Living Dead, ah. a.k.a. The Gates of Hell, which is how I always refer to that film. That's how it was released in North America back in 1981. That's how I remember it. Pamela get in here somehow? Yeah, Pamela's kind of knocking around. Okay, Aww. none of our current listeners remember when we had a plot line about Pamela a raccoon. We named only after care Pamela about the Boris. diehards who have been with us from day from one. day one, day <laughs> one. The um, deep cuts. Yeah. <laughs> the ones who are like wearing Pamela t-shirts right now while they're listening to us. We'll, we'll break out the Vija board for you guys exclusively. Oh, the we should make a Vija board. So <laughs> the abandoned video here's story. How, here's how quickly the film was shot. Now the film, um, S- uh, Sachetti try like started writing it in December of '78, and then Dawn of the Dead came out. It was a massive hit in Italy. So they uh, they shot the film in June. Graham, your fridge is too cold. They shot. Woo! Oh, I, I, that might have been in the freezer for a while. Yeah. Ice cold beer, huh? Is, is there ice in the beer? There is, but that's fine. It's tasty. Yeah. It's good robo-hop beer from yeah. Great Lakes Brewery. GLB. Um, so the film was filmed in June and July of 1979, and it was actually released in Italy in August of 1979. That is a fast turnaround. Hell yeah. Um, the film was scored by Fabio Frizzi, who's one of my favorite, favorite composers. I've got... A uh, Death Waltz Records released a live double LP of his uh, of a performance that he did in Austin, Texas, on Halloween night a couple of years ago. It's great. It's got all this film music from the Beyond, uh, Satinote and Nero. Um, I think he even because he did a, he did a rescore for Godzilla in 1977. Um, yeah, my uh, my first note for this film, and I take notes. I don't take good notes. I just do. You take some notes, yeah. But, I like uh, your doodles, Kit. My my only my first note for this was intro music slaps. It's a really good f- opening song. It was actually covered by Guar. If you, uh, it's like great. Years, it's it's fun. I yeah. think uh, I wish uh, uh, some sort of hip hop collective would discover Italian horror. I couldn't Italian stop horror. throughout the movie. I was like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's got a sick four four B. You could dance to it. Yeah, yeah. And even like the uh, the weird calypso music, the fake yeah, the Italian weird calypso music, kind yeah. of Italian. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. <laughs> instantly puts a smile on your face and then you're slapped with the do 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 so ominous it's good yeah it's gonna be playing over the entire episode yeah there's that scene earlier on where like a goes from the folk clips of music to like that sinister tune yeah crazy sense um be so, a good horror core like uh like beat yeah for sure it's been done um so the film was banned in the uk as one of the 70 72 notorious video nasties because they passed a bbc b british film board of uh, british was it? Is the BFFC? Or we, we've BBFC? talked about the video nasties. Anyways, before. it's one of them. We're longtime listeners. A lot of a lot of Lucio Fulci's films wound up on that list. This was uh, not this Cannibal Ferox. I Cannibal think Ferox, might be the first yeah. time that we brought it up. Mm-hmm. So the film stars Tisa Ferro as Anne Bowles. B O W E L S. Bowles. Sorry, I spelled that wrong. Yes, that's Mia Farrow's sister. Uh, yes, she's the sister of Mia Farrow. She found her greatest success in Italian horror films. Um, and the some producers occasionally would credit her as her more famous sister. Um, <laughs> she does look a lot like yeah. Mia Farrow. Um, she also appeared in the incredibly underrated Canadian action film Search and Destroy. Don't remember which was, that one. It's from like 77 or 78. It was shot in Niagara Falls. And it also stars Perry King from Class of 1984. It's really, really good. Uh, the film she did just before Zombie was actually Woody Allen's Manhattan. 
Uh, she, had a, she had a small roll in that. Small roll, I guess. And then she followed up Zombie with one of the gnarliest Italian splatter films. I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly. It's Anthropophagus, <laughs> <laughs> a.k.a. The Grim Reaper, which was directed That's, by... No, come on. Andrew, it's spelled a, A-N-T-R-O-P-O-P-H-A-G-U-S. Anthropophagus. Anthropophagus? Anthrop- whatever. Anthropophagus. I thought it was... Po- George Anthropophagus. <laughs> um, AKA Does this Gr- mean anthropology? I don't know. Anyways, uh, a.k.a. The Grim Reaper, which was directed by known Italian scumbag director Joe D'Amato. Uh, her final film was 1980's The Last Hunter, uh, which is directed by Antonio Margaretti, who was immortalized in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Um, and it co-starred David Warbeck, who would go on to star in Fulci's The Beyond. Well, what's Tisa up to nowadays? Nothing. Nothing? She does the she does the horror convention circuit. Oh, she actually does that. That's yep. cool. Mm-hmm. I, I respect uh, kind of actors who have been pegged into that role who are like, I'm yeah. going to accept this. You know what? Well, the interesting thing is... Like, yes, I was in Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, Phil. And, well, and her sisters well, as the, well. Well, the interesting thing oh, about... <laughs> the interesting thing about about Tisa Farrow about all these people that did these horror films in like the late 70s early 80s is like this was like a one year period because if you look at it like all of her films came out 78, 79, 80 and it's like that was like over a 19 month period that she made all these films and now these are the films she is remembered for and she the got same, paid for those films exactly and then, and then that was that and now it's all of a sudden it's like wait people want to like stand in line and take a photo with me because I was in zombie flesh eaters like that's crazy but it happens but okay yeah exactly here we are <laughs> like they're pretty you know happy that they're still remembered no, I like that. I, I, yeah. I dig that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film co-stars Scottish actor Ian McCullough as uh, journalist Peter West. He's uh, got a very uh, Carrie Elwes kind of mm-hmm. look. Yeah. I said he had uh, stepdad on vacation energy. <laughs> he also has a... Uh, he's he's fighting the, the comb-over throughout most of the he film. He is fighting the comb-over. Um, That's his most valiant fight. Yeah, so he is... Um, known for many British film productions as well as being a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh. Um, he is best known for appearing in the film where Eagles Dare with Clint Eastwood. Um, and then after Zombie, he continued to briefly work in the Italian horror industry with films such as Zombie Holocaust, a.k.a. Dr. Butcher Medical Deviant. I was going to ask if that's a Cannibal Holocaust zombie uh, so, crossover. But... I've seen Zombie Holocaust. It's <laughs> terrible. Um, and it's basically the same plot as Zombie that we just watched, but with cannibals. So it's... <laughs> But no. zombies already are cannibals. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 But more racist. But it's it's yeah. yeah. It's 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 this movie, but more yeah, racist. It's the producer of this film was like, how do we make a more racist version of this film? <laughs> zombie Holocaust. So it's, it's zombies versus cannibals. And and I like zombie a lot, but it the the one like problematic feature of it is the racist. Natives are not portrayed in the best light. But the interesting thing about Zombie Holocaust is that in the states it was bought by Aquarius Releasing, who bought several of. Uh, Lucio Fulci's movies, including The Beyond, and uh, Aquarius releasing actually changed The Beyond into The Seven Doors of Death and tried to sell it as a slasher film. That's a better title. So with... <laughs> well, wait, but with... Um, you haven't seen that edit, though. I have. The Seven Doors of Death edit is bad. All um, right, but it's a better title, is okay, all I'm sure. trying to all argue. Right, whatever. The um, Beyond is way too vague. Yeah. The Seven Doors of Death? Hell mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, so Zombie Holocaust got retitled Dr. Butcher, MD, Medical Deviant. And... The trailer, they like shot, they took some, the, the movie. That's what MD stands for. <laughs> apparently. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah, the movie takes place. I think in, the cramps sort of stole and oh, uh, slightly modified that. definitely stole it, yeah. Title, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the movie, the, the actual movie as shot takes place entirely on like a, 
uh, South American tropical island. But they like shoehorn in this footage from some film that never got finished about a doctor killing people in New York. So it's like the story that the American version tried to tell was there's this guy killing people in New York to try and resurrect them as zombies. And then somehow that they go to a tropical island. It I, I didn't make much sense. Um, and it wasn't a very good movie. Um, then he followed up uh, Zombie Holocaust with Contamination. I don't know. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Contamination. No, the the previous one. Zombie Holocaust? Dr. Butcher, yeah. Medical Deviant. <laughs> I'm trying to conjure up the zombies from New York. I love it. Zombies from New York sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> They're just very rude. <laughs> hey yo up yours um, <laughs> uh, he followed up a zombie holocaust with contamination aka alien contamination aka toxic spawn it was a knockoff of the film alien, alien. holocaust is that gonna be next I'm sure no. that's already a film I guarantee you that's already been made if not copyright pending um, all three of these Italian if ho- not Graham I know, I know, don't point at me. So basically all of these Italian horror films were banned in Britain as part of the Video Nasties Act. Um, the interesting thing is that McCullough actually never watched any of, this, any of these films that he shot until they were released on DVD in the early 2000s. Wow. And the first one he actually watched was Zombie, and he was shocked at the level of violence in the film. Was he shocked at how handsome he was? I think he was probably pleasantly surprised. <laughs> but no, he was just, he was really shocked. He's like, wow, this film goes places. I didn't know it was this bad because in, in the film, anytime there's an act of violence, he's off camera. Even when they're seeing, uh, we'll get to it, when Dr. Maynard's wife, Mrs. Maynard, gets eaten by zombies in front of them, they're not in the shot. So he's just reacting to someone saying, they're ripping her to pieces or something. And, and, and he, yeah. he makes a face, which is an epic, yeah. um, horrified face. Mm-hmm. Oh, listeners, if you could only see it, you should really watch this just for that face alone. Now, the film also stars Richard Johnson as Dr. Maynard. Uh, Johnson, he's, he's got a very uh, Cary Grant kind of look to him. He actually was in a lot of things. I'm not going to list them all here because there's too many to mention, but he was a legend of the British theatrical world. He served in the Royal Navy during the end of World War II. And he, yeah, was, he looks like it. He was discharged <laughs> in 1948. In 1959, after his success as a Shakespearean actor, he also was a member of the Royal Shakespearean, um, what do they call it, company in, in Britain. Troop? No, no, it was... Um, I love how they're the, getting all these Shakespearean the, actors to appear yeah, it was in the, these... Yeah, it was the Royal Shakespeare Company of Great Britain. Grimy zombie films. Yeah. So he actually... Uh, Ian, Mc, Ian McCullough yeah. actually knew him from the Royal Shakespearean Company, and, and McCullough actually admitted like he openly hero-worshipped Richard Johnson because he was such a good actor. Um, he's good in this. I know. He brings a lot of gravitas yeah. to a very bad role. He's, um, he's kind of an asshole. Well, that's the beauty about these films. It's It's like... What you just said, kid, about ooh blah blah blah, blah getting all these like guys to do go well, these the Shakespearean actors doing movies, but um, it's like they're wouldn't slumming you want it though, the right? Best actors to but be are, in your movie? They're slumming it though a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah, they the wouldn't guys... want their Shakespeare peers to know about this, but maybe they do. I don't know. Well, we should also point out this is before the IMDb, and this is before films really traveled that yeah, much. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. So like, this is probably just like a series of gigs, but like he, even though he's given this kind of like. I don't want to say bad role. But also what these films are at the core, right? It's about the drama uh, of the people. Yeah. It's about life and death. Uh, being faced with this attack of, of zombies. Things well, something they don't understand. Zombie movies always have that undercurrent of, you know, just mm-hmm. dealing with your own mortality. Yeah. Yeah. Which is profound, so but they're it, usually it, pretty it, schlocky. In effect, all of these movies are just kind of dramas with, you know... 
Yeah. The Living Dead. Yeah. It's awesome. It is awesome. So, um, Tisa Farrow actually, uh, doesn't do a bad performance. No, she's I thought everybody good. was really yeah. great in this. Yeah, the film was cast very, very well. And like that's the thing, like these and, actors, uh, like Beardo guy, I don't know, uh, Al Kiver. Yeah, is that him? Yeah, he's actually an Italian actor that was in a lot. We'll get to him. Uh, so back to Richard Johnson. Um, he was actually so in 1959, after his success as a Shakespearean actor, he was actually offered a long-term contract by the American film studio MGM. He was the first choice to play James Bond in the film Doctor No, but he turned it down. Son of a bitch, you shouldn't have done that. But here's the thing. He, he actually had a funny quote. He's like, they had me, who was probably the right actor at the time, and when I said no, they found Sean Connery, who was probably the wrong actor at the time, but that's what made it work. Yeah, he's saying that to justify it, but he could have been a star if he'd, he'd taken Doctor No. Or he could have killed the James Bond franchise before it started. Well, because well, it wasn't a franchise at the exactly, time. Exactly, so that's the thing. It might, not, it might not it have become. It might not have become the franchise we yeah. know today. The reason why he turned it down actually is because at the time, even though now Sony, which owns MGM or the MGM Library, um didn't own James Bond. It was the United Artists, which was an independent film studio established Charlie. by Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Yes. Oh, speaking was, of which, mm-hmm. just a little diversion. Um, so for the next Bond movie, they're just remaking Doctor No. Are they? Yeah, if I, they got uh, Rami Malek to play Doctor No, so I assume it's just a remake of the first. Really? One. They couldn't just it's come like up. it's like Bond twenty five or something like that. Yeah. Ah, I didn't know that. Yep. Phoebe Waller Bridge is writing screenplay. Go yep. Phoebe Waller Bridge. And cool. Rami Malek as the villain. Interesting. But uh, he turned it down because uh, it would have meant him breaking his contract with MGM. He went on to star in 1963's The Haunting. Um, good film. Oh, that's where I recognize him from. Yeah. Oh, my good God. Mm-hmm. The entire film, I'm like, I recognize this man. He I looks know, like Cary Grant. I must Grant. have named like three different people that he reminds me of. And The Haunting is such... I included in my... Uh, the However many, like 20 films that you've got a name that yeah. had an impact on mm-hmm. you. That was one of the films right. because I remember it so well from That's when I was right. a kid. Yes. And yeah, that is so him. Oh my God, I'm having a moment here, folks. <laughs> yeah. His appearance in The Haunting launched him into a respectable level of stardom. Pamela, please resuscitate Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> so his, this, the, during this time, he, uh, he starred in Operation Crossbow, the amorous... So Russ Tamblin, too, he acted beside. Mm-hmm. The Amorous mm. Adventures of Maul Flanders, Oedipus the King, Some Girls Do, Some Girls Do... And the 1970 adaptation of Julius Caesar, where he played uh, Cassius Cassius. Cassius. Oh, sure, whatever. Um, in the 1970s, he returned to theater, which he deeply loved, and he actually supported his stage work by doing several Italian horror films. Uh, so he was in the Italian Exorcist knockoff, Don't Open the Door, which Warner Brothers actually had banned that. in the US, USA. You saw that, didn't you? Well, what did you yeah. think of that one? Yeah. And it was totally not like The Exorcist. It was totally not like The Exorcist, and it was totally not entertaining. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a scene of exorcism, but it's it's not it's not that wild. Um, so was the door opened? You, you knew that it wasn't going to be The Exorcist. You knew it was going to be a completely different movie. I didn't know. Like whenever I see a movie that's like the blank version of The Exorcist, like I saw The Black Exorcist, which is called Abby, and that film, because like that film also got. We got Warner Brothers blocked its release, but it's like, there's an exorcism, but other than that, nothing, it's got nothing to do with the film. So it's very, yeah, it's very odd how, like, you could see that. And actually, it'll tie into, so Enzo G. Castellari, who was, like, one of the first guys to, he was the the first choice to direct Zombie. 
he actually turned it down so he could direct a film called The Last Shark, a.k.a. Great White. So this film got released in North America. It starred... Um, Just be like a Robert Jaws Shaw. knockoff. It was a Jaws knockoff, but it's a great Jaws knockoff. Well, the funny thing about Zombie, and I don't want to mm. get into it uh, preemptively, but it basically... Uh, took a lot of things from popular films in the 70s and were like, here, mm-hmm. here's some of that. Here's a shark. Yeah, there's a shark in the movie. Um, <laughs> no exorcisms, though. No, no exorcisms. I think it Warner was, Brothers has a copy, had a copyright on exorcisms. The, the, Only Disco Godfather can feature exorcisms. The, the author of the film um, took more inspiration from the films I Walked with a Zombie and White Zombie than he did from, uh, from the Romero film. I, I was going to mention White Zombie. Yeah. I've still never seen that one. It's pretty good. We should do some I classic was, horror I was on the podcast. Of that, like while listening to the Bella and Boris series on, you must remember this. Yeah. Beautiful to watch. We we do have to do some. I don't think any of our films have gone before the sixties. Mm, yeah, I was gonna say. Do we, have we watched any? No. It spawned the great band White Zombie. Yeah. It did yeah. Who had a few hits. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. Mm. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Um. So back to Richard Johnson. He was Dick also Johnson. <laughs> he was also in the film Screamers and Island of the Fishmen. More recent, the most uh, more recent films he was in was Laura Croft Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. Call him Dick Squared. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Laura Croft Tomb Raider with uh, Angelina Jolie, and he was also in the Holocaust drama The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which co-starred Vera Farmiga in one of her earlier roles, and was nominated for several British independent film awards. He passed away at the age of night of. At the age of 87. Oh, who, who passed away now? Richard Johnson. The guy I'm you were making fun of. <laughs> the guy from The Haunting? Yes. And this movie. So Richard Johnson passed away. I see that being one of his nicknames. I'm sorry. I meant that with so much love. Like... Okay, Richard. He was in The Haunting. Lillian. He passed away in 2015 at the age of 87. Oh. Rest in power, Rest in Dick. Peace. But you, that sounded like an insult, Kit. Rest in power. <laughs> I didn't mean it as such. Just reverence. Another featured actor in the film is... He's double okay. potent, rest though. In peace, rest in peace. Another featured actor in the film is Al... The man with two dicks. <laughs> Can I can I continue, please? Here? Yes, I'm so sorry. Can I can I continue? <laughs> Another featured actor in the film is Al Kiver, whose real name is Pierluigi Conti. Luigi, it's me, Mario. Hey, as Brian Hull, he's the guy that drives the boat. Um, Kiver <laughs> became Fulci's good luck charm in his films. He appeared in the films The Beyond, Warriors of the Year 2072, Murder Rock, Touch of Death, and Fulci's final film, Demonia. Was Murder Rock a musical? Somewhat. It oh, basically, okay. basically, Lucio Fulci was kind of trying to do his riff on Suspiria, and then Flashdance came out, and the producers were like, "Make it like Flashdance." So he put it set it at like a jazzercise studio. <laughs> I, oh my I god! Have, I have not. You I need to find a copy of this. It's impossible because they did a Blu-ray oh. release last year, but it didn't get released in Canada, and Rats. so like, and it's gone out of print already. So I'm trying to find a copy of it. I know how I could find a copy. You better freaking not. <laughs> Um, Speaking of the boat driver, do you guys remember the opening line? That was awesome. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, it was pretty simple. It was a bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, the opening scene is pretty great. It starts, um, starts off with a gun. 
uh, mm-hmm. pointed at the camera, kind of like yeah. um, Dirty Harry, the great train robber, or Dirty Harry, yeah. or Goodfellas. Uh, they've used that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this kind of figure who's uh, uh, basically a body, who's a body bag, yeah. um, in a rising white sheet, up. Yep. rising Brown up. Um, the the gun shakes a bit, and then bang. Uh, then we see the uh, the hit, like the uh, the head blood explode. coming out of yeah. the uh, like, the head, like a artery coming out or bones. Yeah, yeah, coming uh, out. very gory. This film, wall to wall, as much gore as they could show, they showed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was enough, you know. It was like minimal. Mm-hmm. I would say I wouldn't say they went over the top at all. No, no. So I it was to, it so was more gory than CGI can get. But um, just just yep. finish the mm-hmm. get to the line Please. that we were trying to get yeah. to. I don't remember the line exactly, but it was just like, uh, um, the boat can go, or... No. He's dead. He's dead. Let's, no, no, sorry. The boat can leave. Yeah, the boat can leave. The boat can leave. Tell the crew. So, but here's the thing. This film... Yeah, it's a good cold open. Though. Yeah. Yeah, And great. then cut to the credits. So it, the film... Actually, but before that, doesn't the boat like float for a good That's while? after the You're credits. Watching? That's after the credits. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um... Uh, before we get back to the film, um, the film actually had, when it was released, because it was the first film of its like intense goreness in New York City, they actually gave the audience barf bags as a promotional item saying, you will puke if you see this movie. <laughs> that, that's funny, but the practical effects and the, and the kind of gore gnarly. they used is pretty yeah, gnarly. Yeah. Now, Graham, you made a comment uh, early on when I was like, are they just using red paint for blood? Because it looked mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. And you're like, you can tell the difference between the Italian blood and the American blood. Because yes, at the time, you definitely can. At the time, a lot of American blood in productions was produced by the Free 3M Corporation, which also made duct tape. Like, that was their big claim to fame. Yep. And their version of stage blood was essentially this, like, almost fluorescent red paint. It looks bad. It corn looks syrup? like bright red paint. It, it wasn't even corn syrup. What yeah. was it? It was literally, like, some kind of, like, red paint ish thing that was non toxic. Non toxic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was stage blood. They have a lot of it in the original Dawn of the Dead. It's just it's the wrong color for blood. It's mm-hmm. just not quite right. And then, <laughs> and then later on, when we actually get to like the more Italian gore scenes, like the blood is when the blood really, is spurting and stuff. It's like really that. yeah, it's like, really uh, dark red. There's a scene where a zombie uh, bites this woman's neck, just and he bites her right neck. on like where the Adam's yeah, apple would be. She doesn't have an Adam's apple, but like. And tears that part out too, and and blood and starts. And Kit, spurt- wasn't it just not only the bite, but like seeing him after with like the piece hanging out of his oh, mouth? Oh yeah, that was like yeah. You see, you see all some the, all the zombies like- chew in this movie. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. you see what they bit off, they and it's a really huge savor chunk. It, yeah. yeah, you see shots of like zombies that are in their white makeup, and they just look like haunted jelly donuts because they're drooling blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they I really do. I, I wished we had donuts tonight. Yeah, uh, jelly donuts, especially. Yeah. And uh, our, like our first encounter with a zombie too, like when uh, when the cop like he's like he pulls the guy's uh, he tries to rip, rip a piece of the guy arm. off and he per- rips off rips a piece of, a piece of, of his shirt and then he looks at the flesh that's still on the shirt mm-hmm. and it's it's gross man yeah it is a gnarly film so um, another thing Greek actress Olga Karlatos features in the film as the wife of Doctor of uh, Doctor Maynard who is Richard Johnson's she, she gets ex- great. she was great she gets exploited a lot. Yeah, she's actually known for appearances in Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America, and she was also in Prince's Purple Rain. Oh, snap. 35th anniversary. No, wait, I saw... Come back to theaters. I saw Once Upon a Time 
in, no. in the Once West. Once Upon a Time in the West, I saw. I didn't see Once Upon a Time yeah. in America. It's, it's a good movie. It's long. <clears throat> it's over three hours. James Woods is in it, and Joe Pesci, and lots of people. And Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah. And it was the debut of... What is this? I think Joe Pesci. I think that was... Wu-Tang no, no. likes it. Like, that's where noodles come from. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Who? Uh, uh, Jennifer Connelly. Was oh, first my role. God. A very young very Jennifer young. Connelly. She was a I child, assume. yeah. I've never seen it myself, but I... It's good. Don't... Is it? Good, yeah. it? I've heard it's over long. It's it's long. It's good, though. Okay. It's a good long movie. Um, Sergio Leone's last film. Yes, because yeah. he died in 1990, sadly. Um, so I've got more, many more facts on the film. Um, should I keep going through them, guys? Yes. Okay. So Unless you think that we need a... Um... No, no, no. Well, shooting on location in New York City, uh, Captain Hargitay, who plays the large, bald zombie who attacks the Harbor Patrol... At the beginning of the film, he actually walked into CBGB's, the punk rock club where the Ramones, Blondie, the Talking Heads, mm-hmm. the Misfits got their start, um, in full zombie makeup and completely splattered in fake blood and mud, kicked over all his body. But however... Just like he is in the film, just like how he was looking. Exactly. Due to the outrageous punk styles at the time, no, but you know <laughs> no one noticed. People were like, sweet, dude. Even the bartender never looked twice at him. He kind of just gave him a little, oh, all right. What happened? <laughs> Um, so the newspaper office scene, which is filmed early on, was actually filmed in a busy office building, which at the time was rented out by dun 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 Rupert Murdoch, the real evil. Yes, the the uh, <laughs> the worst. Um, he actually this is scum of the earth. He actually was holding a meeting at the in at a scene, and the cast and crew inadvertently interrupted this meeting. Didn't you say that was his office in one of the scenes? Yeah, it was. Um, so, which is uh, uh, Lucio Fulci is actual, actually yes, yeah. the actual uh, director plays a role as the head of this newspaper, like the, the quintessential editor. New York, uh, like cop. J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson. Like it's it's actually a. Get out of here! Like I thought it was a cop like... thing. No, no, he's a he's a reporter. He's a, that's he's an editor for a newspaper. Right, right, right. But anyway, so Rupert Murdoch actually kicked the crew out of his office because they interrupted oh. a meeting he was having. Um, since there was no CGI at the time and the production didn't have the budget for fancy animatronics, a real tiger... Okay, so we got to talk about... Let's start talking about the actual film because I, I don't want to get into the, the shark stuff just yet. So the film starts with that great scene that Kit described. Bang. Well, we the were film ready starts for us yes. with an intro from Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. yeah uh, which the... is a brief, very brief intro. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that. But he's uh, the one line that he says is, Visceral satisfaction guaranteed. Yeah, Del Toro's uh, a big fan of this film. For sure, for sure. Agreed. And yeah, he was right. It delivers on that visceral satisfaction. It is very And we gory. should also say that we are watching the 2018 4K restoration of Zombie. It's beautiful. The first DVD version that I saw that was a restoration looked pretty bad comparatively, and that's what I've been watching for the past almost 20 years now. Mm. Since 2003, maybe. Shame on you, Graham. Shame on you. I had, I, had no, I had no other option. I'm kidding. Yeah, the uh, the the main the journalist's comb over apparently came to light when you saw the new. Uh, yeah, I didn't notice that. That uh, so Ian he even had a bald spot. Has a pretty prominent bald spot, and he also is sporting a pretty he's nasty comb over. Like he's <laughs> he's got the you know he's he's got you know the. It's funny as the movie goes on, he just seems to lose patches of hair. Like, I think he just doesn't care. He's just like I'm wet, I'm hot. This I'm covered in fake blood. Screw it. I don't care. <laughs> To those of you who have seen the Fairly Brothers movie Kingpin, think Bill Murray in Kingpin. That's kind of what yeah, this guy's similar. hair is doing. Very much so. Phil mm-hmm. McCracken. Yeah. That's the character name. 
Oh, right. That's what his name was, right. Yeah. Yeah, they always went for the lowest common denominator. In a Fairly Brothers movie, I am shocked. Shocked. From Um, the director of Green Book? Come on. So anyways, (laughs) and movie 43. Um, so let's keep going. So we're introduced, um, the, a boat ominously floats into New York Harbor, with, which, with, which is actually an homage to the novel Dracula, which, oh. um, when Dracula arrives in London, uh, he arrives on a boat that's is seemingly abandoned oh. and only in the cargo hold do they find several cases of earth. Is that in the, um... The Coppola version as well? Or? I believe. I know he's, I believe he, so. he's, he's transported on a ship in, uh, in the Coppola mm-hmm. version. I don't know if it's abandoned. I don't remember well, that the, part. The, he, well, it becomes abandoned because he kills everyone else off on the on, in yeah, Dracula. Yeah, because yeah. so, so anyways, we see this boat floating into New York Harbor. We see the Staten Island Ferry. By the way, they stole all of these shots. I don't think they had any permission to be yeah, on the Yeah, I, I love it because the Staten Island Ferry just honks yeah. at the boat that's not supposed to be in that shipping mm-hmm. lane. It's like, hey. <laughs> what are you Did doing? Did you not read your manifest? But the thing also is, it might not be because they shot these films silent. Oh, okay. So, so it's probably they just added the horns. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so then we see the Coast Guard coming in and voiced by... I always love how New York City cops are voiced by Italians in Italian movies. It's always like, hello, this is the Harbor Patrol. Pull over. <laughs> well, You're in it's... a shipping line. Well, there's a skipper of that craft must be a real turkey. Let's get on board. Like, what does that even mean? I don't, I don't yeah. know what that means. And so then they are on board, and uh, so they go aboard, and they're like, oh, there's no one here. If we bring it in, we're going to get a nice bonus for, like, confiscating I, this what, boat. What's great is they have the two uh, quintessential New York cops. You've got the Italian-looking cop, and, and you've the got Irish the super-Irish-looking cop. Irish looking cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're got all Italian, the... and you're Irish. <laughs> Dope. All the eyes covered. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Italian, co- the Irish cop looks down below at first, but then he gets hit with the sail, and then he's like, "I'll take care of the sail. You go down and check out below." So the Italian cop goes down below, and he notices that Gino there's Gino or whatever his name is, I can't remember. something. Anthony. Um, <laughs> so then he notices that Anthony, quit checking around and get down and check the bottom, will ya? That's pretty much verbatim what was in the film. So then he goes downstairs, and he uh, he notices there's some. Some very large are they millipedes or yeah, yeah just hanging out on the stove on the no it was on the piano that on they the, had on the piano yeah. I was wondering uh, like who the who, who the worm wrangler is on this one because there are a lot oh, of worms I thought you were gonna ask you were wondering who the pianist is <laughs> <laughs> the worm wrangler was probably just like you know like I don't know some fisherman. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got worms. You need them? Or like Lucio's nephew, like Stefano. Like, Stefano, get me the worms. Um, <laughs> Wrangle me the worms. Go dig in the dirt and find them. Um, yeah, it was kind of weird. It was kind of odd that he was so like, <gasps> about the worms. It's like, okay, there's food rotting here. There's flies all over the place. I'm not going to be so surprised about worms on a piano. Also, he's a cop in New York City, 1979. I'm pretty sure worms on a piano are like not the worst <laughs> thing he's ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, um, he moves some stuff around and sees, oh, there's a severed hand. And he's like, <gasps> and then... There, there. Now he can drop, drop, drop that jaw. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, bam, a large zombie bursts through the door. He doesn't realize that, though. He's like, this is an ill man who's yes. very large in stature. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs wide my assistance. Girth. Yeah. I will tell him to stop. Yeah. And hopefully he does. Yes. 
Refrain from proceeding, sir. <laughs> we must get you to a medical facility. Uh, and then the zombie just, like, throws him down, and he's, like, trying to, like, rip at the guy's clothes to, like, get him off of him, and he just pulls and uh, he rips away what he thinks is just part of the sleeve. That's the scene I was exactly, talking about, Exactly, but yeah. it's got some flesh attached, and it's gory, and then... It's so gross, this movie. It's I very gross. I love it. And then the zombie reaches in and eats him, and at this point, the zombie comes upstairs, and the other cops are like, stop, stop, what are you doing? And they shoot him a couple times in the chest, and he falls into the water. Now, from there, we learn that on that boat... Now, there's some stuff with a doctor, and we see a corpse moving under a sheet, but it doesn't really matter. Um, from there, we learned that on that boat, uh, there was the body of a New Yorker who was on these islands, who was a doctor as well. That's and, uh, Tisa Farrell's Tisa Farrell's father. Father. And, and Bowles. Um, last name is so weird. Bowles. B-O-W-L-S. Like Camilla um, Parker Bowles. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there you go. Or author Paul <clears throat> Bowles. Yeah. Wow. Your posh just, name, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. So what are you going to have it with a Z? Is that at the end? What were you going to say? <laughs> no, I, I was right like... Literary references. I know. I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> a, a Z at the end? We got all... I think you should start Bulls. a rapping career as Camilla Parker. Lil Bowls. Because <laughs> I like to smoke them. Lil Big Bowls. <laughs> um, so then we find out that there's this journalist, Peter West, who's been assigned to like look into it. This is the uh, the Cariowies. Yes. Wells, big bulls. <laughs> so, anyways, um, the police interrogate Tisa Ferro's char- character and Bulls to see if she knows anything about why this ship was like abandoned. And, and it's she funny because they no have idea. the uh, they have the white chalk outline on the body, which would be <laughs> entirely unnecessary in a, in a boat. <laughs> Again, if 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 the suspect is dead, they don't do that because they just this take is, pictures. If he's living and they have yeah. to put him on an ambulance, then they do this the chalk is, outline. This is so thick too. This is slightly okay. You got to remember, these are Italians trying to no, convince. No, no, no. I love it. I no, love it. But I have to tell you something. You love to see with it. these Italian films that are pretending to be American. They're not trying to convince Americans this is American. They're trying to convince Europeans it's American. Oh. So that they remember, like, oh, when when a person dies in America, they write a chalk line around them. So we'll just do it in a boat. Which is not true. It's when the suspect yeah. is still alive and mm-hmm. they have to put him on an ambulance, or the shooting victim is still alive and they need to figure out how did he fall and all that stuff yeah so she comes to she comes there thinking she's gonna find out more about her father but meanwhile she's thrown further in the dark isn't she Graham yeah the police kind of interrogate her a little like what was your father doing a cop died on this boat blah 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 and she's like I don't know and he's like well we'll be in touch so then later on that night she wait I don't know what what do you mean I don't know last I heard he was on some island right exactly that's what she says Mm mm-hmm but so yeah, later on that night. Later on that night, she sneaks onto the boat. Which they only have one elderly one. cop guarding. <laughs> I'm five days away from retirement. <laughs> With a bum knee. I'm too old for this stuff. <laughs> what was that sound out there? Hold on. I Let need, me get my flashlight. I need a cold phosphate. <laughs> um, so he's super old. and so Where's she, my darn whistle? She she sneaks on board pretty easily, but when she's down there, she runs into Peter West, our intrepid fifty eight year old cub reporter, um, who <laughs> who is like, I think I got what you're looking for. It's a letter from your father, and they he's, have, he's skeevy from the get go though because the cop comes down and he's like, like I've got an idea. Pretend like we're like we're doing it, <laughs> and and they and she goes along with it, and then the cops just like hey, get out of here, you crazy kids. 
Um, and they do. And then the crazy forty-year-old kids, <laughs> you crazy middle-aged kids. Um, so then it's, it's weird because he plays it up though. He's like, I didn't want to have sex on the boat. I would have settled for a boxcar. And then she's <laughs> like, but the best thing is her response is, Oh no, not another boxcar. And, and then he's like, You're just like your mother or something. They're some both weird crazy. They're like both that. bananas. And she's like, Don't you talk about my mother? Some some good improv by yeah. the characters. Yeah, here. they're really smart. Um, so then he convinces his editor to pay it's for like their. Who's lies it anyway? In improv. Yeah, basically they're just like um, uh, shit. I can't remember the uh, Colin anybody. Mockery. Colin Mockery and well, the, our Drew little Carey. cop guy single Ryan flying Styles. solo that night with the bum yes. knee. He he proed them, so they had to improvise, right? Exactly. Greg um, Proops. Greg Proops. Yeah. Anyways, so then he convinces his editor to fly them to, where was it, San Domenico, San Diego? San, San, Domin- San, Domenico, San Domingo. San Domingo, some South, South American country I've never heard of. Um, well, it's a, you see that one scene of uh, Dr. Menard calling Guadalupe, one, over. Yes. Come in, Guadalupe, come in. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't catch where it was. But this is Mantuk like calling Guadalupe. Yeah. Yes. We're on Island Man- Matul. Matul, that's what it is, yeah. That's where the joke came from. Named after my favorite Aunt- uh, hard rock prog, prog band. Matul? <laughs> um, oh, boy. So anyways, they meet uh, Brian Hall and Annie, who are uh, who are out there. With, they have a boat, and they're going to go on vacation. They're, they're and, into nude scuba diving. And Peter convinces them, like, hey, we've got some money. We'll pay you if you take us to look at these islands. And he's like... Brian Hull played by Al Kyber is like, all right, let's do it. So they go, and then they're like, we jump back to the island, and we find out that um, that things are rapidly deteriorating on the island. Morale is super low. Dr. Maynard is holding on by a thread. His wife knows that he's insane. He slaps her. He slaps her, unfortunately, <laughs> which is, I do have, I want to point this out again, for it's Italian movies Italian, at this time, yes. but very Italian, but for Italian movies at this time, he only hits her once. This I, is I very was, progressive. Uh, I was mentioning during the film that I, I remember very early on uh, catching a showcase airing of the original Swept Away, which is an yeah. Italian film. Mm-hmm. There is so much slapping in that film. Yeah. Also directed by a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Uh, so, um, yeah, like like Italian films. Have you seen any of the Italian crime films from the 70s? They are not progressive in the slightest. <laughs> Live like a cop, die like a man uh, is probably one of the most misogynistic movies I've ever but seen. the best title in history. Is oh, that man. a woman talking? Slap her in the face. <laughs> the uh, the film The Editor has a great joke about that because it's a Canadian film, but it's, it's portraying itself as an Italian film from the 70s, like a giallo. And at a certain point, this guy's wife is just like, What's become of you? You don't even slap me around anymore. <laughs> I um, shouldn't be laughing at that. But. I should also add that Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man is directed by Ruggiero Diodato of Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust. Holocaust Infamy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. The movie I've never seen and might never see. Unless we, we, should, we should eventually have a very special episode, episode of 100. DVD. <laughs> yeah. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Following our Polizzocchetti uh Month, month like, yes, yeah, that'll warm us up for it. Yeah, um, so then we're very, a very special Christmas episode of DBV Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Christmas, a very cannibal Christmas. So we are in the we are on the ocean looking for the island of Matul, which is uncharted, unfortunately. And Brian and Annie are out there like tooling around, and like Brian's like, "Hey, we can't look Matooling forever. We're on around, tooling around, yeah." <laughs> Brian's like, "Hey, we can't look forever. We're on vacation," and so Annie's just like, "Hey." 
this is it looks like a great spot to go down and take some underwater photos he's like okay and this is where i had to tell everybody this is where the film gets very italian so she goes scuba diving topless in a thong in well and we had a long discussion whether a g-string is a thong or whether they're different things we actually don't know listeners um let us know <laughs> if, if cisco is listening to the yeah. uh, podcast and i'm sure you are mm-hmm. um what's the difference between a thong and a g-string is a g-string also a thong or are they interchangeable i i need to know it seemed like we reached semi-consensus that it was a G-string. Yeah. Well, Lil had a lot no, of... Uh, a thong. Yeah, Lil a said thong. the butt is showing. Both cheeks are very prominent. Yeah, it's just the string up the... Up the <laughs> on the ass crack. That's a thong. So the G-string is the side strings, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, So okay. you can have... Um, you can have a piece like that. See how the front was covered? Yeah, the front was mm-hmm. covered, yeah. So a G-string would be... The back covered as well, but it would have the string. It wouldn't be like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so the thong is just mm. the, just the, the string. With the front piece and the back piece holding it together. We are an educational podcast, but as well. I could be wrong. Yeah, we're I trying to we're that trying to spread knowledge. Debate. <laughs> okay, so anyway, she's down there, and this is where like I realized, oh my god, none of these other guys have seen zombie before. They don't know about the magic that's about to happen. It's a pretty sweet scene. So she's taking photos, and holy crap, it's a shark! And this is a real shark with a real live actress. It it's, like a, gets, it's like a tiger. It's a tiger shark. shark. It's, not, yeah. it's not a it's not a great white, but it's a big ass shark. Yeah, it's a man killer. A man eater, as they used to say. <laughs> So Shout out to Hall and Oates. <laughs> they didn't. A real tiger shark was used in the, in in this scene, um, and the tiger shark is actually one of the most dangerous species that exists. It eats the most people. Great so, white sharks actually don't do that much. No, eating. the tiger shark is way worse. So after the scenes with the actress, she. Well, I was gonna say I noted that when he first came into our view, he had some blood. Like, did you guys? See it that? was like it was like. Blood that wasn't really there, though. No, like they had added him. it, I think. It was the... probably that they just fed the shark beforehand so that he oh, wouldn't okay. be hungry, maybe. I thought this shark's got a big appetite. That's what I thought when I saw that. Mm-hmm. And I guess they do. Yes. So what happens next is she's one hiding. Of, one of the greatest underwater zombie shark fight scenes I've ever seen. I think the only. So she, while well, she's hiding, a hand reaches out and gets her on the shoulder. There's a zombie underwater. That means that zombies are walking off of the uh, the island into the ocean. Um, so anyway, she like gets away from the zombie and then the zombie fights the shark. I, I love the zombie too because he knows how to fight a shark. He's yeah. like, all right, I'm going to wait for you to make your move. And then I'm going to quickly dodge. <laughs> um, yeah. The it, most intelligent zombie in the movie. It's a good, good, good piece. Uh, good. <sighs> Chunk out of the zombie. You were saying this is actually the shark trainer who is dressed yes. up as a zombie. Ramon Bravo is the shark trainer. So no shark zombies, huh? No shark zombies, no. I that's what I was hoping for, Lil. Missed opportunity, yeah, as a little scare uh, tactic as they're sailing home. But, uh, so yeah, so Ramon Bravo was the, uh, the shark trainer, so he actually played the zombie in the sequence, and he fed the shark right before filming, as well as dro- do- he doped the shark up with sedatives, so that the shark... By the way, good makeup on uh, The underwater zombies. zombie? It's crazy. Uh, we just watched that 2008 film, or whatever it was, what was it called? Oh, Zombies the Beginning? Yeah, which... Terrible, terrible makeup on all the zombies. It just looks like they just like were like, oh, let's grab some dirt from the ground and just rub it in your face. <laughs> 
is bad. Whereas all the zombies in this film had personality. Yeah. They had like caked on makeup. Some of them were newer. Some of them were, were very old. And say what you will about The Walking Dead. I know it's gone downhill. Um, mm -hmm. But they take pride in their zombie um, aesthetic. aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this film does as well. And uh, well, you love to see it. The makeup effects were actually done by the renowned Italian makeup artist Gianetto De Rossi. Um, hey, it's a me. Gianetto. The makeup. <laughs> I, 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 I am gonna hashtag Italy and Italian in this, and I'm just gonna get like a stream of like very angry like Italian emails and tweets like, "Why are you making fun of us?" Uh, um, we love Italy. I do. I made some pizza like earlier today. I had pizza today. It's a me, Graham. I, I make a pizza pie. Pizza. Yeah, I make I make it from scratch. Italians <laughs> against defamation. Oh gosh, we're not helping ourselves here. Not at all. No, it was run by Joe Colombo for deeper. the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so modernized Cody's just gonna come out of the woodwork. Anyways, so uh, back to the film. Giannato. Can I just say how great uh, the song? When the moon hits your eyes Like a big pizza pie That's Amore By the way, that was going to be the uh, the producer of Green Book That was going to be his next film Yeah, that's Amore That's Amore oh. About a woman named Patty Amore Apparently that's been abandoned Oh, really? Why? <laughs> I really wanted to see I, I was actually more excited for That's Amore Than I was for Green Book <laughs> I was really hoping that her first name would be That's <laughs> um, but anyway, so Giannetto De Rossi, he uh, the, the makeup for the zombies was caked on in several layers, and Lucio Fulci um, took to referring to them as the walking flower pots. Uh, De Rossi would go on to do makeup effects for The Beyond and House by the Cemetery, as well as Conan the Destroyer starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, David Lynch's Dune, Rambo 3, wow. Dragonheart with Sean Connery, and um, Kill the Con uh, Call the Conqueror starring Kevin Sorbo. Oh, I Sorbo. never saw that. Um, he also did The Man in the Iron Mask, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's most well now for doing the film High Tension, a.k.a. Ut Tension. Oh, shit. Uh, in the, uh, the, the early The French aughts. film, yes. yeah. Yep. So, with, yeah. With the saw blade. Yep, he's got a, a, a good pedigree. Um, yeah, the, the makeup effects are top-notch mm -hmm. in this film, I will yep. say. Out so, of all the zombie films I've seen, one of the yes. one of the best. It's great. So during the shark encounter, the shark also like slammed into the the boat, and that caused their um, what were they calling it? Not the scepter, sternum, something to crack. Port. Something cracked in it. Some kind of like the starboard. No, 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 it was like some kind of like like thing that directed the boat cracked. So they had to like they luckily moored themselves on Matul Island and fired off rockets, which caused the doctor to come see them. Now during this time. Uh, his wife, which he left alone, was attacked by zombies, and there was like oh my gosh, one of my favorite scenes in horror cinema. It's a great scene. She, um, so she's showering. She gets away. Yeah, yeah she. This is the gratuitous yes, again, scene. It's a, it's Italian, so it's it's full frontal, back to, backle, and side. Yeah, because there's mirrors all around her. Because we need to see everything. She's and not she's drawing still, any blinds, and she's still just kind of like. All shaken up about her confrontation. I, I, I love what the direct direction must have been on that one. Like, you're showering, you're naked, but you're upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's really upset. Exactly. Like shaking and showering. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, fine. yeah, like she looks like an actress that like belongs in some like late sixties or early seventies melodrama. She really does, yeah. and she she she's a good. Up. Okay, again, the actors in this film are really good. Yeah, she was sure. really good. Yes, her whole scene when she's like, "You won't be happy until I'm one of your undead zombies." Like her performance is so 
like on edge. It's yeah, yeah it's it's, all, it's, it's all of them, yeah. It it like the dialogue and the situation is so over the top, but somehow the actors yeah. sell it. Mm-hmm. In a well, more Ian, Ian McCullough, McCullough was quoted, quoted as saying, like, you're doing such ridiculous things to do. And, all, and at first, some of the actors that weren't familiar with Italian productions kind of like were having a goof with it. And it was actually Richard Johnson who was like, no, you got to sell every line with your heart. And they did. No, but those uh, scenes yeah. have like a sort of look, like tone and delivery that's like old melody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. Which is, yeah, it's good. It's heartfelt. And uh, yeah, they deliver the emotion. Uh, I was going to say, wow. I don't know about heartfelt, but. But anyway, she's showering. Um, (laughs) Yes, Kit. We we know she's showering. We're getting back to the showering. She gets out of the shower and she feels like she's being watched. Mm, And it turns out she is being watched by the eyes of the undead. So right away, there's a zombie in the house. So that's strange to me. Do do the zombies see? I guess they do. Their eyes don't work. Anyway, well, there was some heavy breathing, breathing, so it could be a yeah. latch. Yeah, and we saw a hand. <laughs> there, there are a lot of horny zombies in this film. Just, just a swath of like horny I said, zombies. It's not that Italian kit. Um, <laughs> just horn dog like zombies back and forth. <laughs> so, anyways, so a zombie has gotten into the house, and she like has to like shut the store, slam it closed. We see this is our first real hint of like really gnarly gore, where like we see the zombie gets its knuckles scraped off. And, and it's really slammed, de- decomposed looking yeah. uh, knuckles. It's good. Yeah, really good. And then she shuts the door and locks it. But oh no, the zombie's still coming to get through. So she like... Uh, his fingers lop off. Yeah. She's able she, to yeah. shut the door and cut his fingers. Yeah, it's like very slow oozing. Well, yeah. the really unnerving part about this scene I found was mm. that she she she's struggling to close this bathroom door way before the zombie's anywhere near it. And, and and you're like, holy shit, lady, like, just keep it down, right? But she's, like, trembling and, like, trying to close the door. It just won't close. It won't fit. Maybe there's too much humidity. Yeah, she, she's moving this dresser that must be, like, 150 pounds or so. Yeah, and she's shoving it with all of her might yeah. to get it in front of the door. And she does. And you're like, oh, my God, she's safe. But, but then... And she does the stupid thing of, whew, now I'm safe. I'm going to still stand in front of this door. But then the zombie smashes through, grabs her by the hair, and everyone here was like, oh, she's going to get her hair ripped off. And I'm like, nope. And then we notice that that a shard of wood has splintered off and pointed directly at her face. And they do a pretty good camera work here because the camera then becomes her POV. um, Going in on the shard. Getting closer and closer to the shard of wood. And you're like, oh, that's going right into her eyeball, isn't it? And yes, it does. And we see everything. There's no cutaway. to see her go. Yeah, she had some fire. That was a cool scene. Oh my god, I love it. And then like, it's, it, you're it's just like, like, like jelly. It goes right into her goes eyeball. Right into her like eyeball and, and you're like, oh, okay, so that's it. And then no, they turn her head and snap off the stick in her eyeball and drag her forward as she's, she's still screaming. She's got a big splinter in her eye. It's like something yeah. out of the Bible. It's biblical, man. Um, <laughs> so then, anyways. Uh, so I kept thinking we'd see her with like Camel a going sheet through the eye of the over her <laughs> and just like the eye area really bloody or maybe the wooden part coming out of the sheet but no we didn't no we didn't get that no we saw her again but not in not, not in as no, good a situation we oh we did we did she was being eaten <gasps> yes mm-hmm. I think after that scene where she gets her eyeball not, impaled not in a come on you wags really not in a terrible way scene. Ah, they oh, really linger on scene yeah yeah there's a lot of like this movie's just gnarly and I love it she's so definitely then, being eaten out but Jesus, God in heaven, Kit. It's her intestines. It's it's rough. It's rough. 
So, anyways, the next day, Doctor Maynard is, it, like sees them shooting off rockets. He goes They're in his car. Point of view at home. He picks. Uh, I apologize, uh, listeners at home, for that. For that, oh, for that last on, one, that, that was a bit rough. Oh come on! No. <laughs> She's literally. Be- uh, anyway, anyway. Yes. Yes. Her intestines. No, no, we're not there yet. So. So. Um, where are we? Oh yeah. So, so Doctor Maynard is driving them in his jeep, and he's just like. Would you? And he kind of like talks about the whole phenomenon of zombies in there. Yeah, we've and like, had Lucas by this. Point oh yeah, too. Lucas. Yeah, Lucas. Lucas. Just, just trying to earn a paycheck, man. I heart Best Lucas. Lucas. Mm-hmm. You really took yeah. Lucas, didn't you, kid? I did. I wanted him to succeed. He did not, of course. He cannot survive this movie because he's a man of color in a zombie movie. In an Italian zombie movie from the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Dawn, in Dawn of the Dead, actually. The, yeah. Uh, Ken Forey survives. Yeah. Yeah. He's also the proletariat. Yeah, he is. He has a few good lines too. He's like, uh, you know, oh, I don't I believe in this voodoo nonsense. Well, and I Lucas just believe don't believe that the dead be dead. Yeah, that's him putting them in their place. <laughs> he knows what's up. Yes, so he does refer to himself in the third person. Mm-hmm. He does. They they do this terrible trope of yeah. uh, the islanders being uh, superstitious simpletons and servile. Which but is they're correct though in their superstitions. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. the thing. At the end of the movie, they are the, they are the ones that are correct. I wonder if they know how to post comments on stuff. Not well. That hadn't been <laughs> luckily that that <laughs> technology had not been invented yet. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we are. Um, they have ancient wisdom. So Brilliant. the um, the doctor splits off to go back to the hospital because his friend Fritz is sick, and I'm just like. Hmm, an old man living in the tropical the islands Indies, yeah. whose name who's German. I'm like, I wonder what he did do for a living during the 40s. Um, <laughs> Buenas noches, mein Führer. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the doctor sends off our heroes to go check on his wife. And they're like, yeah, sure, why not? So they go around, they see his house, like, well, the doctor's doing well for himself. And then they go inside, and this is where they see that his wife has been killed and she is being eviscerated and eaten by yes. several zombies and this is their first interaction with them yes and forget the joke that i made earlier i'm sorry that was inappropriate yeah. mm-hmm. um very graphic very disturbing very you don't want to forget it kid I loved it. <laughs> it was over Come the top on. it was misogynistic it was that terrible. was a cool scene because you see you see her body and stuff and like pieces and stuff and and just oh, oh by the but way then this is the part of the movie that has wait 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 oh but sorry the step up to that is that there's still zombies there like going away at her flesh you don't see that until later but this I is when the movie awesome. has great scooby-doo vibes going oh yeah because it's like we literally point out like oh it's like it's like they pull up in their in their it's, truck it's, and it's, it's like it's two women oh, there's, two guys there's fred shaggy. shaggy daphne and velma and they all can fit into like a thing they all fit into a role perfectly and then it's just like oh no, like they let's walk go in, investigate this house but i also gang. love the fact that they all walk in in a line and they're all looking forward being like oh this place is pretty nice and then one of them looks to slightly to the right and like <gasps> and then they like all kind of look over and it's like oh my god this thing that we didn't see because we didn't look right at when we walked into a room and um, they all get out, and then there's zombies blocking their way out. And this is the first time we see uh, them bring down zombies, like hitting them with like local household items. 
So at this point, they're they're racing back to the doctor, and the doctor is like rapidly like, oh my god, like there's well, there too. Are sharp foreign objects on there. Yeah, walls. that's what they use. They use like like rams horns or something. Right, it looks like some like a oh, poker as well. Yeah, like here's some rusted rusted clippers from a bygone era that have been used as a decoration. We're gonna use them as a weapon. Yeah. Antlers? I thought those were antlers. Yeah, I think there were some two from like an well, elk or yeah. something. They, they used a few things from yeah, the wall. to escape. And as they're driving back, they're like, "Oh my god, zombies! This is crazy!" And then a zombie walks in front. Of them, they're like, "Oh, look out!" And so they swerve to avoid the zombie and crash into a tree. And that's when Kit said, "I don't break for zombies," which would be the <laughs> best. Um, <laughs> Uh, a good bumper, bumper sticker. sticker, yeah, but they did break for zombies, and that it was their undoing. Them. Yeah, it uh, broke uh, Peter's ankle, and so they're like, you know, limping through the, the jungle. Broke is an under. Oh, okay, we're fortunate. It's not quite that point. Yet. It, it yeah. ruined his ankle, though. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, you know, limping through the forest trying to get away, and they just it's say, like okay. Kawhi Leonard in Game Four of the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. Just, sure. Just limping back and forth, but still, you know, there for the fight. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, okay, I get you. <laughs> no. Babe Ruth. <laughs> Listeners know what I'm talking about. It's funny. Someone that I know didn't All know I had a podcast. basketball fans. So, it's growing. So uh, a, a friend of mine asked me, like, oh, so what's your podcast about? I'm like, what do you think it's about? It's about movies. And he's like, yeah, I couldn't see you doing a sports podcast. <laughs> Although we might be launching a wrestling Did sister cast. There are a few uh, wrestling sports. podcasts out there. I know, they're, and they're really good. I listen yeah. to all of them. But uh, there's a few indie ones too. I don't know. You, yeah. you listen to them all? A lot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we should we should do a wrestling podcast though. Should By the way, yeah, this is gonna we? be. We could. So should this is. We? New Japan Pro Wrestling has a lot of content. Yeah, a lot. I, they're already at night six oh. of Best of the Super Juniors. Graham, I'm going to tell you this on uh, on air, but uh, Saturday, game six. Can't do it. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Game six. So this Saturday night is May 25th, <laughs> which is AEW All Elite Wrestling debut pay-per-view, six. double or nothing. It's going to be way better than whatever game six of the the Toronto Flippy Doodles versus, <laughs> versus the New Jersey whatevers. Um, it's all good. So anyways, back to the film. So... They take a break in this, like, cleared area, and luckily, Brian, the, the boat guy, he's, like, an expert on Spanish conquistadores in they the find, area. They find a helmet. They find a helmet. He's like, this must be over 400 years old. And then he looks around, and he's like, Carlos Linguini, oh, my God, we're in a Spanish conquistadores Linguini is not a Spanish <laughs> name. Paella, maybe. Spanish, yeah, yeah. Linguina, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Spanish, Spanish paella. Spanish paella. Yeah, it's a Spanish paella. And he's like, we must be in a graveyard of the Spanish conquistadores. And everyone's like, oh, I wonder how this could go wrong. And then all of a sudden you hear the jungle, the voodoo jumps, and then zombies start coming up out of the ground. A very cool scene. Well, what I love here is that uh, we've got Tisa Farrow and um, uh, what's the character Ian McCullough. Ian McCullough. And uh, they're all like, we, well, I don't want to die here. What's going to happen? And he's like... That was a good time to make out, I think. And they start making out. And she's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and then... Yeah, and she seems kind of forced into it. There's like zero chemistry there. She's like, all right, I guess this is... It's because that's what the script says. We make out now. Well, they're thrown into this situation together, and they've had to... Uh, she's like, I might die tomorrow. I guess some sex wouldn't be bad. I don't know. It made sense. But uh, then the zombies... Again, this film is way less misogynistic than a lot of Italian films. Then the zombie conquistadors attack. Yes, and it's great because they um, they they still haven't figured out that like headshots kill yet. But then at a certain point, they're like, hey, if we hit these guys in the head and their heads explode, they're done. 
Uh, this is when Annie unfortunately gets her throat ripped out. That's uh, Brian's partner. Oh yeah, that's a real. She like scene. yeah, she like get like the Spanish conquistador zombie like comes straight up out of the ground. He's got worms in his eye. He just goes right for it, rips her throat out. She drops dead. He shoots the zombie. And they decide like let's just get out of here. So they they make it. It's now nightfall. Things have gotten spooky. We see zombies in the backgrounds of all these shots just very subtly coming in. It's very well art-directed, very well-framed, very well-choreographed. And, and, and also just that scene before she gets uh, a good chunk of her throat bitten out. Um, just how shocked she is. It takes him like... How slow these zombies are. But oh, yeah, for sure. Him, yeah. It takes him for as long as it takes him to get out of the ground in front of her and bite her for her to just, she's completely shocked. She can't move. It's awesome. Yeah, it's terrifying. And then, like, even I forgot, after they leave the graveyard, there's this scene of, like, zombies continuing to come out of the ground. And we see them, like, in the far background. We see one slowly starting to walk around. It's like, uh,. What are you doing in those bar- in those movie nights with the you put a sheet on a wall and then you play? Oh, like rear projection or something? Yeah, it looked kind of like projection or something. It like, did look otherworldly, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So um, then they reach the hospital, which uh, with zombies hot on their heels, they get inside, and Doctor Maynard is like, "Oh my God, we've got kerosene, we've got guns, bar all the windows and doors." So they do, but zombies have on like in mass decided to attack the. Um, the the hospital at this time they are surrounded and slowly they start getting picked off they like make Molotov cocktails out of the kerosene the doctor goes down first then unfortunately Lucas bites it when he doesn't notice there's a zombie behind him no, it's Fritz, oh, it right? Totally comes out of nowhere. Like yeah, it. Fritz, and and yeah. we thought that uh, Doctor Menard Menard, yeah, had shot them, but had been taking care of the uh, his friends, but he hadn't been. Well, but we this should. One came out of nowhere. It really did. It made absolutely no. Like we had that that kind of scene of, of him where he's whatsoever. like he's shooting another one. He's like, mm-hmm. oh Jesus. We should is, also point out that this these... is Thursday. So as much as like in, in this. <laughs> And, and it's Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right over there. there. Um, so we should point out... You know what? If anybody ever do- redoes this movie, can you please throw in a like a Perfect Strangers kind of theme song kind of part? To yeah, like, yeah. I'd love to see a, a, a like Belky zombie. About being all like another day, another dollar, like shooting another wrapped up Stuck body. Stuck in a revolving door, yeah. And a white sheet with rope wrapped around it. So we should. So we should point out that this is again. There was Night of the Living Dead in 1968. That's actually Chandler's job on Friends. I know you don't see it in the early seasons, but he's He's just shooting dead people. Um, So we should point out that this is still early on in the zombie culture. Like Dawn of the Dead, it just came out. Night of the Living Dead came out ten years before. This is before. Like now, when people say like, "How come the Walking like people in the Walking Dead don't realize call them zombies?" It's like. At this point, they didn't know that, like, oh, if you die, you become a zombie. They called them everything but zombies yeah. on The Walking Dead, the which walkers, is getting a bit this, too precious. Yeah, it's like... The uh, biters. The biters. I still just want someone to be like, what, you mean those zombies over there? <laughs> like, in, in Shaun of the Dead, when, like, are there any zombies out there? What? Don't say that. Say what? The Zed word. What? Zombie? Yeah, why? Because it's ridiculous. But that's what they are, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> And I feel like Dead. The Walking oh, yeah. Dead should have a moment like that when they're like, let's just go with something. Do they say the titular line or like, it's The Walking Dead? No, they say we are The Walking Dead. Ah, okay. Because it's the people. That's how it's mm. deep. I think that's it. Even in season one, I think they do that. We are the what? I remember like... Um, it's we who are The Walking Dead. Yeah. Applause cue. <laughs> 
Launch into the theme song. You can speak now, and they what? They have a religion. Is that next? No. Um, I mean, that might happen. Who knows? The show could do anything. No, they there. There's whispering zombies, but they're not really zombies. No, they're people wearing zombie masks. Zombies, anyway. Which, if you were the comics, you knew was coming. Like I remember when that episode aired, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, there's talking zombies!" I'm like, "No, they're not." With uh, Samantha Morton, who mm. I thought was uh, Emily. The other one, Watson. Emily Watson. Yeah, for the longest time, and I always confuse Samantha Morton and Emily Watson, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry to both of you. Um, she plays Alpha, right? <laughs> yes, she does. Yeah, yes. yeah. Anyways, back to the good zombie film that we watched tonight. Um. So, anyways, at this point, the zombies are breaking in. Maynard goes down. Lucas goes down. He, the Lucas, then resurrects like and kills off uh, the nurse. At this point, the zombies have broken in. They sh- and they just start chucking Molotov cocktails at them, burning them alive. She's trying to shoot them. At a certain point, they realize it's futile and realize we got to get out of here. So they go through the back door. It's a very epic, uh, very good Western yeah. style oh, standoff. Yeah. yeah, and it's really neat because everybody's learning. You could see the progress throughout the movie, like from the beginning of the bow when they were f- kind of first faced with it all to now. Like they can see that if they shoot them anywhere other than the head, they're it still like do it. shot to so the chest. So they're still kind of gaining information right, on what, what will do the trick. By the time they get out of the of the hospital, they realize it's headshots that count only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see that? Like nobody says it, but you see that they've caught on to it. And um, yeah, Lucas becomes a problem. Zombie Lucas becomes yeah, a problem. Yeah, and then they shoot him. And then, anyways, so they get out of the hospital, and at this point, they're like, it's headshots all around. But then Brian is stopped when he sees Annie, who is now zombified, and he's like, oh. And oh, I no. called this. I'm like, he won't Don't be able to it. kill her. He's gonna die. And then she bites him in the shoulder. She has to get Peter to shoot at the. I remember. Remember, there's a scene where like they give Peter a gun. I'm like, why are you giving the journalist a gun? And he barely, and he, he like shoots six he, times like, and shoots misses. around and like Mia Far- um, Tisa not, Farrow. Tisa Farrow is in peril. Yeah, and, and the like, zombie is he like, shoots to the right. He shoots to the left, and then he finally gets the zombie in the head. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tisa Farrow's head is right there. Yeah, it's like oh no, <laughs> could have ended very badly. So, anyways, now Brian is infected, and they get back to the boat, and they realize we gotta go slow if we want to try and make it back to like another island. And they do, and Brian is fading, 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 and then he dies. And they lock him in a room. But and and like, you know, Tisa Farrell kinda of says, like, should we throw him over? And Brian and uh Ian McCullough is just like, No, he'll be the only proof we have. I don't know why I do that accent, but that's it's the Terrence and Phillip accent. Yeah, yeah. that is the Terrence and Phillips accent. Be the only Phil- hey buddy. Hey buddy, he'll be the only proof we have. <laughs> well, he did say uh terror and yeah. uh fears. Fears fears. Fears. Hey buddy. That was the one curse in the entire episode. We were doing so well, guys, and Kit ruined it. You haven't dropped any F-bombs tonight, Lillian. Never too soon. (laughs) So anyways, um, he's like, he's the only proof we have. They turn on the radio, and then all of a sudden, oh no, they hear reports, zombies have taken over New York City. We forgot about New York. And then we cut back to New York where, A, a zombie that wasn't shot in the head dropped into the river, and B, a cop was bitten and his body was left in the morgue. So, like, now we cut to, this was a very expensive, not expensive because they stole it, they had zomb- actors in zombie makeup walking about, about along eight zombies. the Brooklyn Bridge, yeah. or the Manhattan Bridge, just walking through it. As we hear, we see close-ups, and fun fact, that day was actually super cold, so the zombies kept shivering, so they had to give them booze to stop shaking. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that is a fun yeah. fact. And so, uh, between takes, like, they, they also had to add ammonia to the blood to keep it from uh, from freezing or running off, so it would run into their mouths, and they'd have to spit out this oh, terrible fake blood God. every time they cut. 
And then we cut to credits as zombies have taken over the world. That was Lucio Fulci's Zombie 2, a.k.a. Zombie Flesh Eaters, a.k.a. Zombie. Now, Graham, I have a question. Yes. Uh, so we've seen a, uh, on the on the pod, our, our listeners and us have seen a lot of films by Italian kind of horror masters. We've seen Cannibal Ferox by... Yep. Uh, Umberto Lenzi. Uh, we've seen uh, Zombie 3. Which is by Lucio Fulci, sort of. But and really Bruno Mattai and Claudio Ferrazzo. Calling Bruno Mattai a horror master. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not call him a, yeah. really let's, let's call him a horror hanger on uh, Was he also the guy who did the recent zombie film we watched? Yeah, he did. He yeah, did zombies okay. at the beginning. Um, so what makes uh, Lucio Fulci a cut above these uh, these rubes? I think he... Well, you gotta remember, like, he was directing for 20 years when he got this opportunity. Like, even, like, Umberto Lenzi didn't start until the 70s. Like, there would be times during this uh, this film, Listener, where Graham would be like, mm. they got the bird there, and then they pan down yeah. for the shot? I love it! <laughs> yeah. And how many times did I say, wow, what a beautiful shot of, it's, like, it's some the good sea cinematography, and, the, yeah. and the ocean? I was like, wow, sometimes you're like, this is just a painting or something. Well, I think it's because Lucio Fulci found this type of film. It didn't. It wasn't like he was like cashing in on a craze. Like he was the guy that started this craze. He started off by directing sword and sandal movies. Like he was directing movies in the fifties and the sixties, and he directed all different types of genre. And then like so like by the time you know twenty years in, he's given the chance like you want to direct this like cheapo down the dead knockoff. He's like okay, I will, and I know how to make this like a cut above. It's like like the effort of like so. There's a scene where our heroes take off on the boat from San Wangwango or whatever where they are, and the the camera follows the boat. It follows it go. The boat gets further and further. The camera stays with it, and then the camera zooms in on someone sitting on the dock, and the person does the sign of the cross. And you're just like, that is genius. That's what a director does. He he or she layers in, or they. I liked to uh, I liked the shot. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it worked entirely. But uh, when uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Menard... Yes, Menard. When his wife is trying to shut the door on the zombie, Mm -hmm. and you see it just kind of pans over to the wall, and and you you can see see the light and the the door escaping in, and the shadow... And and, and the the, the light keeps on creasing, which means the door keeps on opening. Yeah. Um... It, I don't know if it quite works, but I see what he was going for. It's it's like yeah. some suspense. It's an artistic you think attempt. Something is gonna come out into that white part, into what that you, shadow. Even if it doesn't, it's yeah. just like it's indicating that the door is getting wider and wider, yeah, and there's something can, behind it's, it's it. It's another way to show that the door is uh, not being yeah. shut. Well, that's the thing. Like he was no slouch by this point. And like when we watch his, his next, the film we're gonna watch next, which is City of the Living Dead, aka Gates of Hell, he goes even further whole hog. Like he basically can show visually how a town falls into hell. Um, and again, like, I think, Phil, you saw The Beyond. William, were you yes, here I for did. The Beyond when I showed it at one of my movie nights, like, two years ago? Showed it after Black Sunday. Yeah, it was Black Sunday and The Beyond back-to-back. The Johnny Depp movie? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. There's a okay. Johnny Depp movie called Black Sunday. Isn't that the one where he plays, uh, Whitey Boulder? That's Black Mass. Ah, oh, yeah. Black Mass. Never. Now, Black Sunday is the Mario Baba film from the from the late fifties, early sixties. Big um, influence on Cypress Hill. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, they did release a album yeah. called. So he he's a cut above because I think he just like was in the system for so long, like trying to find his footing, and like even with the giallos that he made, they were never as good as his like I want to call these his, his metaphysical horror films because it's very much based on like a situation where like you are being taken over by an outside force. And in this case, it's zombies. It's a little more with with his latter, with his next few films, with you know the Gates of Hell, aka City of the Living Dead, with the Beyond, and then House by the Cemetery. 
it's a bit more metaphysical it's a bit more spiritual it's a bit more supernatural that's taken over them but it's still layered in with that gore so like he knows how to set up he just he had it wasn't even the gore was very gory like uh gross gory like Mm -hmm. when i was a kid it would make me uh feel queasy probably Mm -hmm. um but like you were pointing out another few shots where they're trying to escape the zombies they're trying to get up and you see these zombies slowly rising yeah. from and then there's another one who's in the background who's yeah. already walking and there's another one who's in the foreground mm-hmm. who's just starting to move well and that's that's why I like slow zombies because they can really work as a metaphor for death or for a, or for or for the futility of trying to exist in such a harsh it, environment it seems so or, slow or and like yet it's inevitable the reality of something coming upon you and it's it's, there's it's an, coming, and you're realizing, and you're like, oh my gosh, it, I have it, to do something until it kind of... It right? might move slowly, but it's inevitable, yeah. and there's yeah. no stopping it. Well, yeah. well Max Brooks, the, the author of World War Z, the, the novel, not the movie, he said that he summed up zombies, because he, he was a firm believer, like, zombies should He's be slow. He's got a few, like, how to, how to survive, survive a zombie, zombie apocalypse. apocalypse. survival guy. Yeah, yeah, but the World War Z is his masterpiece. Does it and, involve a paper bag? No. Eventually, yeah, for anxiety, yeah. I would, I would hope but so. But he he basically said that zombies is AIDS that gets up and walks, and that's the thing; it's coming for yeah. you. Yeah, I think it, that's why it kind of took off in mm-hmm. the right when AIDS was exploding as the well. The early eighties, right? oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. This you get infected and you become this diseased thing. Yeah, yeah, um, and that also led into the body melt, body viral infection, like the Viathan, street trash the stuff like the stuff that's getting into your blood and changing your blood and changing your biochemistry but yeah i think lucio fulci is a cut above because he i don't even know how to say because like even in his respect it wasn't until the 90s that he got respect when his films came out on on vhs which is when i started seeing his stuff and he'd already passed away no no he luckily came to new york city in 1995 for a fangoria weekend of horrors and like they had been trying to get him for like a couple years at that point, but he's like, N- "Why would I come to be embarrassed? Like no one knows who I am. I'm a bum in Italy." And then he came, and he was so shocked that everybody knew who he was, and that That's everybody great. loved his films, even the f- even despite the fact that like you know in Italy, Dario Argento is king, and Fulci is like he's like gutter trash, and even him and uh, he, yeah, I'd, I'd say not so much a lackey as just like a. Just that word came up today. Well, you were saying, and I can't yeah. remember if we mentioned it on the pod or not, that Tisa Farrow actually made a career of just showing up to yeah, conventions. Yeah, so, so Tisa Farrow's final film was The Last Hunter uh, by Antonio Margaretti, and that was in 1980, and then she stopped. So she stopped acting a year, like less than a year after this film was finished shooting. The, the, like Mia kept on going. Yeah. Uh, Prudence Farrow, who's mm-hmm. the uh, inspiration for the Beatles song Dear Prudence. Fun fact. Uh, John Lennon's an arsehole. Was, um, was not in any films, as far as I know. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, but yeah, with Tisa Frills, she started doing, like, these convention appearances because people are like, no, we, we love your performances. We love... Because, like, at that point, like, if you're doing these films, like, these dirty Italian and Canadian films, it's, no, it's that you Italian can't get... Italian and Canadian films. Because she did Search and Destroy. Like, the, like can... the lowest of the low. Yeah, totally. the Canadian yeah. film wasn't non-dirty like we didn't have the budget exploitation exploitation yeah it's like if you had to come up to canada being a canadian film you were on the rocks what was that was the was the famous book weird sex and snowshoes uh snow yeah yeah. yeah, Yeah. uh, yeah sex yeah weird sex and snowshoes (laughs) which i saw the documentary that that was based on and it was kind of like not good because i was kind of like you don't want to show people those movies it's just like people it's like you know 
like weird stuff you don't want to watch. It's not like the good stuff from Canada, like the the pulpy stuff, like the stuff made for mass markets. Yeah, like Search and Destroy, the movie yeah. that Tisa Farrell is in, is an awesome action film from 1978. The t- Canadian tax shelter follies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, Porky's is another. Exactly. Black Christmas is one. A Christmas Story is a Canadian film. That's right. It was one of the highest grossing mm-hmm. Canadian films for the longest time. It was Porky's. Porky's is the highest oh, grossing. Oh, I thought, I thought uh, Christmas Story Porky's surpassed. Porky's is yep. still the highest grossing Canadian film. That's shocking to me. Yeah, Men with Brooms tried to claim they were the most, and I was like, nah. no. Nobody gives a shit about curling. Men with... <laughs> Well, they like Leslie Nielsen, yeah. but even uh, Molly Parker and Brendan... Uh, Brendan Gleeson? Brend- no, no, no. Who Paul is the, uh, Gross. Paul Gross, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so it's it's that one of those things like they, they hid from these films. They didn't want to be known or associated. But now they've got a legion of films. Well, I think the interesting thing is like, you know, Phil, when you and I went to go see Class of 1984 and Lisa mm-hmm. Langlois said like the thing that made her reevaluate her work in her early films like you know deadly eyes or class of 1984 or happy birthday me was that the people that she's meeting these younger people who like grew up with these films are smart and intelligent and appreciate them on a different level than was initially intended and the same thing with lucio fulci in the 90s like you know when he's up against dario argento or for Federico fellini who's like Sergio Leone and- you're never gonna be accepted in the current time that you are if you're putting forth something slightly different lowbrow exactly yeah. and like that's the thing like fulci was toiling around like he wasn't doing like well you were saying spaghetti westerns were lowbrow and that's what leone yeah. was doing yeah and the, but it was because he like with the good, the bad, and the are, ugly. Those are considered masterpieces now. Oh, 100%. But Whereas that... Zombie probably doesn't get that clout even now. No, although I think it Unless should be. Unless you're a horror head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless you're. But Guillermo del Toro, Oscar winning director, he introduced this film saying it is a visual experience. Like, well, guaranteed. Visceral, visceral satisfaction guaranteed. Yeah, so even he's praising this film. And I think it's that thing of like, polite society still can't accept like a gnarly film like this. It's gory. It is gory. Yeah. Uh, the the Leone films were never gory. They're just no slow. Well, they were considered violent at the time. Like a fistful of dollars is considered extremely violent. It got an uh, what I think in Britain it got an X rating. I don't or think no. there's any blood in that film. It's just people getting shot, exactly. right, and falling over. But the morality of it was questionable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't until The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which was a co-production between MG, United Artists and uh, and whatever, and I think Cinecetta Studios in Italy, um, that were producing it that like there was actually some budget behind it and then he was able to parlay that into once upon a time in the west because like all these these american studios that were resisting spaghetti westerns were like hey they're making all the money and they're kicking our westerns asses so paramount teamed up with sergio leone and uh studio chinachetta i know it's getting late um to oh gosh to yeah listeners it is now 12 30 a.m at night um some of us have to work in the morning no uh we'll be we'll wrap this up quickly We've been talking for a long time. So uh, back, back to Fulci, but yeah. finish your thought on Leone. No, but Le- Leone then did um, Once Upon a Time in the West with you know Charles, Charles Bronson, Bronson and Henry Fonda. Hell yeah. And uh, Jason Argento Robards. Argento was a writer on yeah, that. Yeah, Argento and Bernardo Berlucci co-wrote the script. But That's that, a hell of a film, too. That That's... film, it's great, but it flopped at the time. you got to remember, like it played mm-hmm. for years in France, but in North America, no one, no one watched it. It's so slow moving. It's yeah. three hours for crying out loud. I wonder. Um, so anyways, we... So back to Fulci. So like he... 
wasn't even doing Leone level westerns. He wasn't even doing Sergio Carbucci level westerns. He wasn't even doing Sergio Martino level westerns. He was doing Lucio like, Fulci westerns. Like Bonanza, basically, the movie. But like worse. He was doing four <laughs> for the. I would make if I did Have Gunnel Travel, <laughs> Lone Ranger. Probably below that, Lillian. <laughs> but he. There's no such thing. Okay, he made. He made four four for the apocalypse, which is a which is a weird acid western, and then even with his giallos, the acid western. Oh, they're they're wonderful. Even the giallos that he made were still until Sette Notte and Nero, which was the the, one of the few things that got him any kind of attention because he did uh, Don't Torture a Duckling in 1972. Don't torture a duckling. I love it. Which is about a guy killing children. Oh Um, God. And then he made he made. Uh, it is about exactly what you think it would yeah, be about, exactly. and yet it still shocked me. Titles are amazing. Yes, his my favorite <laughs> of his is part of the Pulitzeri uh, yeah. titles too. My favorite of his is uh, a lizard in a woman's skin. Oh my god, that's great. So yeah, I'm so not he was. About the titles. No, no those, not are, at those all. are actual titles. They're amazing. So they, I mean, Black... not by a famous director, but I think my the one of the better giallos I've seen. I rented solely for the title. Black Valley so of the Tarantula. No, uh, it's with Edward Fenech. It was called Your Vice is a Locked, locked Room, and only I have the key. Yes, that it's so that's great. A hell of yeah. a title. Yeah, they played it at the Fox in in Toronto a while ago, and I didn't. I missed it yeah. sadly. But yeah. Um, so, anyways. It's, yeah, like, uh, sadly, Lucio Fulci just never got the respect while he was alive because he came to New York City. He went to the Fangoria Weekend of Horrors. He got a great reception. He was very happy. He went home to Italy and passed away the next year. Oh, gosh. So he passed away in 1996, But he passed away knowing... That he was appreciated. appreciated. Yeah, that he made... Exactly. A, that he made an impact. And then two years later, Quentin Tarantino was the first person to pay for assault to get... The original version of the Beyond released in North America on 35 millimeter film and on video and on VHS and on Laserdisc. So he 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 presented it and put his name in front of it to get it out there. And well, didn't Sage Stallone help? Yeah, Sage, it was Sage Stallone, Bob Marazuski or Mazeroski, and Quentin Tarantino teamed up to bring this film. And then Tarantino just wanted people to see it because he's like, the Seven Doors of Death that got released in like the early 80s and on video is terrible it is a bad movie but the original edit when it is a you know true blue lucio fulci masterpiece is that it's a masterpiece and that's what we're watching that's what we will watch eventually yes the masterpiece the masterpiece not 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 that yeah no not that so anyways guys (laughs) it's very late here i have to get up early too phil what are your final thoughts on lucio fulci's zombie this movie was fun. Uh, what was surprising about the movie was that it's, even though it's, you know, it's economical, it's a 90 minute movie, it's kind of a slow burn. Like, it's. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it teases. Like it teases you in all the right yeah, ways. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, like, as gruesome it is, it never feels like overkill to me, the gore. Exactly. Me. This is like, I mean, when we get into Gates of Hell, aka City of the Living Dead, things get real gnarly. Yeah. Because, like, you watch Day of the Dead, and it's like, oh, it gets real gnarly with the Well, also, Day of the Dead was a bit of a response, sure. like, uh, from Remember Us Part 2, the films that had fallen down in the dead's wake, where, like, they yeah. upped the gore quotient so much, he's like, yeah. I have to go above and beyond that. And he, he I don't course. think it's been, I don't think Day of the Dead has been surpassed in terms of its gore. Yeah, like, I'm not dunking on gore, but yeah, like, yeah. No, it, it never felt gratuitous to me yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked the pacing of this one a lot. Um, the yeah. practical effects are excellent. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
Yeah, in spite of its problematic elements, it was really solid. Which again, minimal for an Italian film in 1979. Yes, for sure. It's no live like a cop, die like a man. Of course not. Yes. Kit, what are your final thoughts on Lucio Fulci's zombie? I liked it. Yeah, thumbs up for me. Uh, a good, very gory. Uh, and But it unlike that, that terrible... Um, Zombies the beginning, that crap. Which was, was awful and not oh, fun. So and, bad. And just uh, very tedious. By the way, I sold a bunch of DVDs today. That went right into the bag. I was like... <laughs> Did they take it? You got yeah, some they money took for that? it. I, like, oh, yeah, sorry. I'm shocked I got anything for that piece of garbage. But um, yeah, this uh, they obviously take care with the just and you were pointing this out too. The details of every scene, like mm-hmm. oh look at that abandoned thing everything there. Is, everything is layered. Like there's a foreground, a background, a midground. Uh, like there's I, a scene where Doctor Menard is like woken up in the morning because he's been drinking all night out in front of the docks, and his is like his aide or nurse comes to see him. And you see behind them, there are boats in the harbor that have just like tipped over and not yeah. been righted. And it's because the town is dying. People are gone. And I, I, I compared this to Resident Evil, uh, the video game series, not the not the movie series, which I think there's six of those. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the video game series, because they were obviously fans of these specifically. And I think I mentioned this on Zombie 3 as well. Specifically, these Italian uh, zombie films, because the attention to detail. Yeah, they got them all in Japan. Is is right there in the Resident Evil films, just the way the alleyways are set up, and just the eerie and the atmosphere of it. Yeah, I love it, love it. Anyway, thumbs up for me. Cool, Lillian. What are your final thoughts on Lucio Fulci's Zombie? Well, guys, it's fairly late, and I think like Phil, every so your dissertation is every single word you were saying. I was like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, (laughs) and Kit, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. So I I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought it was great. And uh, what did you think, Graham? Um, I've liked this film since I first saw it when I was a wee lad 20 years ago in, in Cape Breton, Sydney, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. When I went, to, I went down to... Skipping down a meadow. Without a hair on his chinny chin chin yet. Just... Uh, yeah, no beard at all. So <laughs> I remember because I went to the mall... And I went to Music World, where Music World always would get the weird movies. That's where I first saw Ed Wood movies, like on on the on a shelf, not actually to buy, like VHS tapes. That's where I bought probably um, like curated by the employees. Probably there, yeah. yeah. So I bought Night of the Living Dead there. I bought Dawn of the Dead there. I bought Evil Dead there. I bought Evil Dead Two there. Bought Army of Darkness. Yeah. I bought Army of Darkness at Walmart. But um, so was this like an Evil Dose, like an Anchor Bay catalog? Pretty and, much, yeah. yeah. And then I saw this film I'd never heard of before in my life zombie with the tagline we are going to eat you and a cover of a gnarly zombie on the front and i wrote it on the back it's like originally released as a seek as zombie 2 a sequel to george a romero's dawn of the dead and i was like what i didn't know this existed so i like Graham's brain exploded right? yep. so it was 12.95 and i knew that with tax i would come to 14 something and i had like two weeks worth of allowance which came to about like 17 bucks and i was like i can buy this 12.95 20 years ago yeah, that was like what, like fifteen percent sales tax at the yeah, time. Yeah, it was HS. Well, it was in Nova Scotia. We had HST, so it was fifteen percent sales tax. Oh yeah. So I knew that if I had fifteen bucks in my pocket, I could walk out with this movie, and I walked out with that movie. It was fifteen percent sales tax at time here too. Yeah, but not on everything though. That was before the blend the HST. Yeah, here. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, they, so they weren't checking your ID at the uh, the music world. They were they like, they questioned okay. me when I bought Night of the Living Dead because I was really baby faced. I was like thirteen or something, or fourteen, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm fifteen. What are you talking about? Fuck you. Um, oh god, I cursed. Oh, whoa. Did you spit at the cashier. No, I actually said I was because like the guy. Graham, I said Graham I was, just swore on the podcast, folks. I said I was. I said I was fifteen, but 
because like the movie was an 18a and then like the whoever was working but whatever 17 year old who like was like slayer is the music of the future um was behind the <laughs> hey, counter wrong. was behind the counter was like all right man here you go um <laughs> and so i walked out of that music the sadly departed music world which no longer exists and went home and watched like zombie after school during that brief period where my parents weren't home from work yet but i was home alone and it was gnarly on vhs and it was a, my first widescreen vhs too it looks so like, grainy too i bet yeah yeah it like it it looked way more worse than what we saw tonight was it one of those anchor bay uh it was tapes the big, with the clamshell packaging it was and i don't know where it is at home mm. i saw it for i saw one for sale here in toronto and you I could probably make money off that nowadays <sighs> yeah um but uh i want that back badly because it's just it's nostalgia for me so anyways i've loved this film for 20 years uh i've rambled a lot we've talked a lot about it it is very late at night um join us next week we're going to try and have a special guest attending we're going to be watching lucio fulci's the film that he so after this film lucio fulci was almost given carte blanche do whatever you want. You are the Gormeister. Just as long the as there's Gormeister. just as long as there's like the dead, just as long as there's like dead people walking and there's Making tons of gore. Do it and Sorry. try and do it so that it's actually shot in Italy and it's not expensive to shoot overseas. And he's like, all right. And so he came up with the film that is known now far and wide as City of the Living Dead. But I rented it from Sydney Video on King Street on Kings Road in Sydney, Nova Scotia. I know it as The Gates of Hell. The Gates of Hell. A.K.A. City of the Living Dead. Gifted to me by our lovely Kit for my birthday several okay. years ago. Have you seen the Blu-ray version yet? Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous as hell. Okay, yeah. sweet. It's really, really good. Gates of Heck for our audience. Yeah, yeah. for our Christian audience. Gates of Heck. We have a big Christian following. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you much, listeners. Glorious as F. Glorious as F. So, for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. I've been... What have I been? Lillian. I've been Lillian! <laughs> and I am always Graham saying, please be sure to rewind, keep on watching movies, good night, and good luck. Night. We love you. Bye.
Yeah.